0: To another edition of Rediscovering the Indies, an independent wrestling history podcast. I am Chris Gello, joined alongside Jonathan Ash. Hello, and uh, we have a really fun episode today to talk about uh, um, one of those episodes that might go more than one episode, but uh, we'll, we'll we'll get into that in a little bit here. Uh, but first, before all that, uh, we want to thanks for all the feedback on the Stampede Wrestling, the Bruce Hart stampede wrestling episode uh uh definitely some people uh you know brought up the kind of their memories of that and uh throughout all the social media and uh, we were actually getting a lot of buzz still regarding the dale gagner episode uh um so thank you to everybody uh uh for uh kind of created a buzz on that uh i don't think that episode's ever gonna leave us <laughs> like i i i I think I think that might be our signature episode. Even years down the
1: road, I mean, I'm okay with that as long as it doesn't haunt us. That's, that's good.
0: It, that is true. Um, we also made a uh, we made a certain uh, certain um, big uh, time of a man very upset. Uh, <laughs> so uh, he pretty much sealed the fate that we will not be doing a Windy City Wrestling episode. <laughs> unfortunately. Oh boo! But. uh... But, anyways, other than that, we are uh, we're excited for today's episode. First off, I want to thank everybody uh, who's been listening to the podcast. We keep growing in numbers. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at Twitter RTI Pod, Facebook Rediscovering the Indies, uh, and Instagram Rediscovering Indies. And we've been putting up every day, uh, starting about earlier this month. We've been doing on this day in independent wrestling history. So every day, you'll have a little fact and a picture uh a lot of title changes and stuff like or matches that kind of meant a lot for the growing history of, of either professional wrestling or that person's career um so got a lot of cool stuff uh going on uh there on the social media so are you ready to get into it
1: uh yeah
0: <laughs> all right so today's episode is XP W, extreme professional wrestling and uh it's one of those indie feds that people do know of um a lot of people do know the name oh yeah that fed uh there's a very uh a viral clip uh, on the internet uh that even was big part of dark side of the ring that happened in xpw so
1: yeah and i believe uh dark side of the ring this upcoming season is doing an xpw episode too
0: so this will be a pretty good companion piece
1: uh to yeah. that. Uh I'm sure they might find out a lot more information than we're presenting today just for who they're going to be talking to in there, but we'll take a look at uh we'll take a look at what the dirt sheets had to say on that and a, maybe a different take and more of a long form version.
0: All right, so we'll kind of get right into it here. Uh, first want to talk about the owner of XTBW, Rob Black, his background, uh, before he opened up XPW. uh, he was never in professional wrestling, uh, <laughs> uh, but what he was, was in the adult film industry and it's kind of a family lineage. Uh, Rob Black's, uh, dad, uh, actually was a adult bookstore owner. Um, his uncle was a, uh, porn entrepreneur, and his cousins were pornographers, and he started out as a porn director in the mid-90s. His uh, first porn company was called Extreme Video, um, which eventually developed into present-day Extreme Associates. So here's the thing. People always kind of ragged on him for being extreme after ECW, but technically he was extreme before ECW. <laughs> yeah, extreme with the E, too. Yeah, with the E. Um, he uh, made an appearance in a documentary uh, uh, called Sex, the Annabelle Chong story as well. And, uh, and in uh, 1998, he ended up uh, forming the porn company Extreme Associates with fellow porn directors Tom Byron and Van Damage and porn star Tiffany Minx and Janet Romano would start to work for him in the same year, first as an actress and then as a director. Uh, he... Uh, his work often included scenes, uh, with a with ex- extreme given by other members of the pornography industry, such as adult performers acting as young girls or a simulated uh, rape of a disabled person in a wheelchair in 1997. So, very questionable porn, especially for that time. Very pushing
1: the envelope, yeah, especially in the in the mid 90s when. That seemed to be the... That was the era of South Park that was starting at the Attitude Era. Uh, it, mass media was going that direction, too, but he obviously went above and beyond and maybe way too fast for what uh, the general public was used to. And obviously that's uh, what we've come to fa- find out going through the notes here, too, that... The overall porn industry kind of shunned their nose at him and seemed to have felt like he was giving them, like the whole industry, a bad name, which kind of mirrors into what becomes his uh, professional wrestling career.
0: And, yeah, I I think polarizing is the word I, I said to you off off air, and I think that's why a lot of the media and attention that he got was because he was polarizing. He wasn't just a guy that hey, I did my porn and then didn't comment on it or didn't go over the top with it. Like this was a guy that wanted to make you know, oh, I'm I'm the guy behind the behind this. I'm you know, it's it's not what, you know, we talk about for years. People, the fans didn't know Vince McMahon was the owner of WWF. Yeah. Rob Black let you know day one. And he
1: let you know that you're seeing porn stars in wrestling. Yes,
0: and now let's kind of paint a picture of 1999. It's the Attitude Era. You know, it's the Vince Russo booking. It's the Howard Stern era. You know, you're you're starting to see sex being more of a mainstream uh media outlet to attract people you know with all these beautiful women and obscenity and vulgarity and it was kind of becoming the norm of the culture I mean you had South Park and it just goes on and on and on um of what was going on so for Rob Black to think oh I can mix the world of porn and professional wrestling in 1999 wasn't that far fetched of a concept now Doing that five years earlier or five years later or any other time period would probably not wor- work. So if there ever was going to be an XPW, 1999 was the year to do it.
1: Yeah, I can not agree
0: with that. Um, and let's get right into it. Uh, this is a notes from the Observer. June 20th, 1999, there may be some confusion in the marketplace lawsuit on the horizon with a group calling itself Extreme Pro Wrestling, debuting on July 31st in Rosita, California, although I guess you can't trademark the word extreme for use in wrestling anymore as you can ex- as you can trademark the term wrestling for use in wrestling. Uh, that group is going to be more heavily into porn stars, including a Miss Extreme Contest among some noted porn stars featuring stars from Extreme Associates, which are involved with the promotion and vivid video hosted by adult film star Tom Byron. Uh, so right there, you get the you get the little links. to Hey, there's a new company coming out and w- let's go over the first show. Uh, of XBW. It happened on July 31st, 1999, and it was at the Rosita Country Club. <laughs> it's, you find it odd <laughs> it's at a country club uh, in Rosita, California. And uh, the small show, uh, Sybil defeated Homeless J- Jimmy, Phenomenal Phil defeated Johnny Webb, Christian Blood defeated Supreme, and then Big Dick Dudley and Damian Steele went to a no contest with Nicole Bass was with Damian Steele as well as Bad Boy Basil was with him. Um, Nicole Bass on part of the first XPW <laughs> show and Big Dick Dudley. But other than that, I mean, Supreme, Johnny Webb, Homeless Jimmy, they become fixtures as as XBW grows. But, uh, I mean, we talk about California kind of being on its own in the independence. But we just did an APW episode. And in 1999, there was a lot of talent in that California pool. And this will be a theme with XPW where, you know, Rob Black gets out the checkbook for ECW guys and and that. But he doesn't realize that in his own state, there's a lot of workers he's not using.
1: Yeah. You have APW, you have UPW, you have a lot of coming feds coming up with a lot of solid talent that could go that style. But yeah, he definitely for all intents and purposes, was an ECW mark and brought in a lot of ECW style workers and a lot of former ECW guys, especially in the early days here.
0: I mean, in 1999, he could have had
1: Christopher Daniels, Mike
0: modest, Donovan Morgan. I mean, just uh, Tony Jones. He could have had some of those yeah. guys. Um, I mean, Vic Grimes, he could have had Vic Grimes around then, too, because I think he was already out of ECW by then. He's on his way out, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then uh, August 27, 1999, as you'll notice, XPW, they a lot of times they would run monthly or try to do twice a month. But on August 27, 1999, they were back at the Rosita Country Club. And Phenomenal Phil defeated Homeless Jimmy. Johnny Webb defeats Dynamite D. A three way dance where Supreme defeats Donovan Morgan and Christian Blood. The uh West Side NGZ, uh big uh big rotten chronic, defeated Los Vatos Locos, Felony, and Pancho Quila, which I love that name, by the way. And then uh Damian Steele defeats Big Dick Dudley. So once again, I mean you got Big Dick Dudley, and that's pretty much as far as noteworthy names. And Donovan Morgan, though, showing up here on the second show. So he uh, he went back in time and took my advice <laughs> and then booked uh, Donovan Morgan.
1: Uh, Big Dick Dudley does become their booker for a time. Uh, I did find that in the notes. And I believe Johnny Webb, who also later on became XPW World Champion, uh, was also a porn editor for Extreme Associates.
0: Which we'll get into the porn editor stuff a little bit later, too. Yeah. Uh, when it, and and here's the amazing thing about XPW, and we'll talk about it a little bit. Say what you want about XPW, but the people that were involved that went on to influence other projects, like we'll kind of talk about it later. But if there's no XPW, there is no Wrestling Society X. There is probably no Lucha Underground, and there is probably uh, no uh, the Urban Wrestling Federation
1: that was around for a little <laughs> bit.
0: None of those projects happen. If and and,
1: and who really knows how Dave Marquez's career would go exactly. without XPW?
0: And then here's the thing: if you don't have Lucha Underground, does cinematic wrestling really happen? I mean, it was the first, day, you know. So, yeah, you know. But but we'll uh, I mean we'll obviously talk about that later uh, as we go towards uh, the more modern time. Um, well, now in September they ran a double shot. Shadner- they're leaving Rosita for one of them, but the first one on the September 24th, 1999, which would have been my 12th birthday, <laughs> exactly my 12th birthday there, uh, Dynamite D defeated Phenomenal Phil, Damian Steele in a steel cage match, uh, defeated Big Dick Dudley, a three-way dance between the Jake Lawless, uh, Jake Lawless defeated Johnny Webb and Pancho Kila. We had Carlito Montana defeated Felony, Supreme beating Homeless Jimmy. Christopher Daniels and Donovan Morgan going to a no contest. And the Pitbulls, Pitbull 1 and 2, uh, defeating Big Rot and Chronic by DQ. And then we had Johnny Webb defeating Big Dick Dudley and Damian Steele uh, in a three way dance. So it looks like he kind of got the right idea to start a book, some of these California guys that were really good. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't realize that Donovan Morgan was this involved. I didn't think he was this involved in the beginning. With, with, with xpw uh and then the second night on it that double shot There were in ventura phenomenal Phil defeated dynamite d jake lawless defeated Pancho quila uh carlito montana defeated felony kid chaos uh defeated shooting star supreme defeats homeless jimmy the pitbulls Pitbull wanted to defeat uh, defeated big rotten chronic and then uh you had another three-way dance where uh, big dick dudley defeated damian Steele and johnny
1: webb
0: at the ventura fairgrounds ventura fairgrounds yeah um and uh, we're just kind of because the next observer note isn't until 2000. Because to kind of go through these results here, uh, just have fun with these. Uh, they then uh, they return to Rosita in October, October 29th, where Kid Chaos defeated Sybil. Phenomenal Phil defeated Homeless Jimmy. Carlito Montana and Pancho Kilo went to a no contest. Another a second no contest between Donovan Morgan and Supreme. A third no contest between the Pitbulls. Big Rotten Chronic. And then uh, Big Dick Big Dudley defeated Jake Lawless by disqualification. And then you had an XBW World Heavyweight Title uh, Battle Zone Battle Royal where Damian Steele defeats Dynamite D, Felony, Homeless Jimmy, Jake Lawless, John Cronus, Johnny Webb, and Nicole Bass and Phenomenal Phil to win the
1: Battle Royal. Reseda is really the epicenter of indie wrestling during this era and future, going in the short term future here in Southern California.
0: Yeah, I mean, there, there's something about it. I think wonder if people were just such Karate Kid marks. That they're like, <laughs> we, we have to run in Reseda.
1: Um, I've going through, I've seen, uh, going through some of the notes, going through some of the videos. I did see some uh, videos of XPW and I believe Epic uh, in a venue that looks very similar to uh, – PWG's uh, old venue in Reseda. I couldn't verify that, but that's. It I, could match up.
0: I wonder, too, if the country club had any interest if PWG ever approached them and goes, Oh, wrestling was here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and they're like, Oh, no, but we had XPW for a while. We're moving on. <laughs> that happens more than people probably realize. Yeah. Like, even to this day, you go and. You go to a venue and ask them, "Hey, you pretty? You have a pretty big space. Do you ever think about running out for wrestling?" And chances are, they're like, "Especially you're in Buffalo, like, oh yeah, we rented to some X Y Z Fed. I'll I'll avoid uh, throwing anyone on the bus, but it'd be like, yeah, we rented this X Y Z Fed like ten years ago. They're really bad. We don't want that back. And we and they only brought in twenty people. Yeah, like, I mean, so like, it, it happens a lot. It ha-
0: happens in everything, like." Like I will approach bars and restaurants for like comedy nights and they'll be like, Oh, we tried it once and it was awful and then I'll do my research. I'm like, Oh, that's because it was a bunch of old Mike guys.
1: <laughs> so i That's get... probably like 15, 20 years ago too. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. oh
0: yeah. You know, it, it, when it comes to bar owners, if something they, they will not if something didn't work once, they will not try it again.
1: They very rarely don't. Um Uh we for a local comparison, uh ESW locally, we would run in Niagara Falls at a uh, at a fire hall. ESW ran this fire hall a few times in the mid-2000s. We didn't run it again until mid-2010s. I want to say like 2015 when we went back there. We got banned from this building for at least 10 years because uh, the infamous Johnny Puma ended up dancing drunk on a table during a bachelor party that was held there. And it cost the fed the uh the building for ten years, <laughs> <laughs> so it tells you how uh how weird venues can be with wrestling
0: yes um so uh we'll go to November of uh nineteen ninety nine and they actually ran two shows a week apart from each other, which I find very interesting um you on the uh so what it was is it was, it was supposed to be a two night tag tournament a week from each other or is it or, yeah the, oh no I'm sorry it's a tour it was xpw's dismembered in November tour I'm sorry uh <laughs> tag tag one and tag two that's what they called it but it, they were a week apart
1: from each other that's not a tour <laughs> like uh, 2cw did that too like, yeah cw w- like, I- we we would run like three shows within a month and like we ca- I feel like there were some double shot weekends yeah, I mean, one was called the Cease and Desist Tour because WWE sent the promoter Cease and Desist for advertising DX, so it it fit with the name. But for indie wrestling, a tour can be two to three shows in a in a in a few weeks span. All right, I'll give you that. I'll, I'll give you that. Major bands don't have to run consecutive dates. I remember when I was a comedian, and we we ended up booking shows.
0: Looking back, at was probably dumb, but we ended up booking uh, shows on the same street in three different bars all within a time span of a weekend. <laughs> like a Thursday, Friday, Saturday.
1: All right. That, that could be a tour, but <laughs> it was a tour of Allen street, <laughs> but Rolling stones. Don't like they, when they still tour, they don't, they don't do consecutive nights. They're doing once every week. Like that's the, they call that a tour that counts.
0: Um. So yeah, uh, <laughs> November 20th, 1999, uh, we had Damien Steele defeating kid chaos for the XPW. World heavyweight title. Carlito Montana defeated Dynamite D. Sybil defeats Dallas. Jake Lawless defeating Johnny Webb. Uh, Donovan Morgan uh, defeating Michael Modest or sorry, Donovan Morgan and Michael Modest going to a draw. So Michael Modest showing up here. So, you know, uh it it the first show I think they learned, hey, let's use some of these California guys. But I mean a lot the thing with a lot of these XPW guys and I'll finish the card before we're going to this. Nicole uh, Bass defeated the the <laughs> The lunatic. <laughs> Who is it? The Blunatic? <laughs> and then, uh, big, big rot and chronic defeated Carlo, Carlito Montana and felony and supreme defeats phenomenal Phil. What a generic. By the way, <laughs> phenomenal Phil. Like, hey, I'm phenomenal Phil. What a generic uh, lunatic was Messiah. All
1: right, so, so I'm that's the first
0: Messiah appearance under a mask, maybe. Yeah, and and uh, first Messiah appearance are, I'm. Damien Steele because I feel like there is multiple Damien Steele's Uh, I'm intrigued to see what his background was because he seemed like he was probably like a legit worker Um, yeah he is an American musician comedian writer and professional wrestler but the real deal uh, Damien Steele says he appeared in WWE WCW, XBW, WWC
1: and UPW between
0: 1995 and 2007
1: um yeah and I'm just looking up because it's weird like are they running Reseda Ventura is about an hour west of Reseda almost towards Santa Barbara but it's not near it's outside of Los Angeles and I, we don't have result we don't have attendance figures for that but I'm curious on why they would run so far out from the city, thinking like XPW isn't. They don't have that type of wrestling style that would appeal to small towns. Not saying Ventura is a small town, but still like off the beaten path. So it's it's kind of a weird situation. Well,
0: and you think about it, Rob Black at this point he's based out of Los Angeles. Why are they? I mean, it's Los Angeles. There's always little music venues and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, there's places they could be running these shows.
1: I mean, the show in Ventura is at the Majestic Theater, so maybe he's got some kind of deal and knew someone to hook him up. But yeah, like you're, he's based in Hollywood, which isn't that far from Reseda, but he also has, yeah, he, he has all of Los Angeles. Like, what's there, 30 million people in Southern California? Like, there is definitely are you a market. Not running
0: any venues there, yeah. Um, on uh, just the, the second night of the, the t- tour on November 27th, Carlito, Montana, defeat Dynamite D, Sybil, defeat Dallas, uh, Kid Chaos, um, which is a guy I'm going to get into a little bit later, uh, defeated Michael Modis and Phenomenal Phil, Jake Lawless defeats Johnny Webb, uh, Nicole Bass defeating Felony and the, the Uh you had Supreme defeats Donovan Morgan, uh, Damian Steele defeating John Cronk. Cronus, and then uh, Big Rotten Chronic defeating the Pitbulls in a steel cage tag team, uh, and, and then we'll finish up 1999 where they had three nights. Uh, this, but they ran the 17th, the 18th, and then the 21st. And the 21st they called a house show. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, on the 17th we had a. Uh,
1: How does the, indie wrestling do a house show?
0: I don't know, and I'm intrigued to see what the lineup looks. Uh, so uh, on the 17th we had. Messiah defeat Johnny Webb. Supreme defeated Kid Chaos. Jake Lawless defeating Sybil. Donovan Morgan defeating a Phenomenal Phil. Carlito Montana and defeating Mike Modest by DQ. Nicole Bass defeats Dynamite D. The XPW World Heavyweight title, Damian Steele defeating John Cronus. And then the Public Enemy, which just must have been shortly after AP8 beat him up out of the <laughs> WWF, uh, defeated Big Rotten Cro- Oh, I'm sorry. It was a no contest with Big Rotten Crack. So many no contests. Like is, it's it, a house if, if it's a house well, show, like you want to see. This wasn't even a house open. show. But, it, but it's all a house show. But what I don't understand is is like I, these guys can't be in their ego saying, I'm not putting these guys over. Like, like, like
1: I mean they could be. I mean
0: they could be, but it's like it's
1: that there's most
0: of you are California locals and you're and you're working you're working and, and listen there's
1: sixty year old WWE guys now today. No like, disrespect. Like, they're, they're still refusing to put over local guys. I don't mean this in disrespect
0: to the pit bulls or big Dick dudley i'm not trying to but it's 1999 and they don't have a job on television wrestling it's probably a reason you're kind of not in a position you know (laughs) and i'm not saying they did that but you know and do i fully believe that the public enemy rolled in here and said we're not putting these guys over probably
1: (laughs) (laughs) that that probably happened they they Um, probably still thought that they had a chance going back to wcw
0: Yeah, the the second night we had Carlina Montana defeating the Messiah, Mike Modest defeating Donovan Morgan, Sybil defeating Phenomenal Phil, Jake Lawless defeating Kid Chaos, Johnny Webb defeating Homeless Jimmy, Supreme defeating John Cronus, um, and then the Public Enemy uh, uh, and Big Rod and Chronic going to a no contest two nights in a row. And then XBW World Heavyweight title, Big Dick Dudley defeated Damian Steele. uh, And Damian Steele had with him Jake Lawless, Jasmine Sinclair. Interesting connection, <laughs> Mike
1: Monas <laughs> and Nicole Bass. The um, St. Clair connection is very interesting. As we'll get through, as we'll get on through here with three PW connection later on. Did
0: she ever work for Rob as a talent in the porn industry? I don't think so. I uh, think she was a little bit bigger than Rob's studio. She was always kind of a big timer. Like,
1: I'm not going to pretend that I know my porn history. <laughs> and I, but and, uh, and, and, and once again, like folks. These episodes are all over the
0: place. Like, we're going to be talking a lot about porn on this I mean, It's It's just, it's part of
1: the story. I mean, I didn't know her name just because, like, she was she a was pretty a big, big name. Yeah. She was a big crossover also with, like, Howard Stern and Opie Anthony, like, appearing on other, appearing on mainstream, mainstream shows. Um, plus, obviously, like, her connection with wrestling through the Blue Meanie.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, it is kind of weird. But
0: I think in 1999, because she hasn't appeared in ECW yet, right?
1: No, no, I think... No, she didn't appear until she was with Blue Meanie. So, she hasn't appeared in ECW, and here she is on
0: a wrestling show, which people probably thought her first wrestling appearance was with the Blue Meanie uh, in in ECW. So, I find that interesting. So, like I said, I wonder, you know... Or maybe she was working for Vivid, because that would make sense. And then he did have a connection with Vivid, so that would make sense, and maybe... Through Vivid, uh they made that connection. Um once again, not a porn historian, but I <laughs> I, I know that Vivid's a pretty big studio. Um on uh, uh let's see here and then the last uh of the two thousand uh, of the nineteen ninety-nine shows, I should say. Um this was the house show. Carlito Montana defeating the Messiah, Mike modest defeating Don Morgan, Sybil <laughs> defeating Phenomenal Phil, Johnny Webb uh defeating homeless Jimmy, Supreme defeating John Cronus. And the Public Enemy and Big Rod and Chronic. Can you guess what the result was? It was a <laughs> no contest.
1: Um, well, you, you gotta you, you gotta build anticipation for the return match, brother. <laughs> that never <laughs> that never happens.
0: I just I I just can't. Uh, as we go into the year two thousand, January 29th at XPW. Abuse of power uh, at the Vogue Theater in Los Angeles, California. So finally they get to L.A. in 2000. We have a Max defeating Felony. Messiah defeating Dynamite D. Sybil and Donovan Morgan going to a no contest. Johnny Webb and Pancho Kila going to a no contest. Uh, Kid Chaos defeated Homeless Jimmy uh, in a Falls Count Anywhere match, which that uh, can't go to a no contest. Uh, Supreme <laughs> defeated uh, John Cronus. Uh, Nicole Bass defeated Jasmine St. Clair. Chris... Candino defeated Damian Steele. So you see a little bit about Chris Candino, their notable name. And then uh, next PW heavyweights auto match, Jake Lawless, which the title became vacant, um, which I'm wondering big Dick just got out of there. Uh, Jake Lawless defeated Michael Modis with a title change. And then now we can go to the observer here. I'm
1: also trying to find with a Vogue theater. Was uh, obviously, it's no longer there, I don't believe. Oh, no, there. uh, it's a wool store. Oh, <laughs> oh hey, it has it changed, it's Hollywood Boulevard in Los Angeles, so in a very uh, happening place in the city. So, so at least he's now not running the suburbs.
0: So the Observer has reported here that XPW will hold a King of the Death match tournament on february uh, 26th from the palace in hollywood california featuring barbed wire nails glass and thumbtack um looking at this a little bit uh see here so they did do that but they had a show the night before so let's talk about the february 25th show um kid and this was at the ventura theater okay and by the way it's not at the palace the night it ends up being at the vogue which we'll get into in a second but uh for the February twenty fifth show in Ventura, Kid Chaos defeated Dynamite. D defeated Chronic defeated JN. Jake Lawless defeated Phenomenal Phil. John Cronus defeated Homeless Jimmy. Carlos Mon, Mon, Carlo Carlito Montana defeated Sybil. Uh, Messiah defeated Johnny Webb. Axel Rotten defeats Supreme, and then Chris Candino defeats Damian Steele. And then we go into the King of the death matches. Now, two thousand. CZW is there. They do. They have. They're, so they're the tournament of death, right? Yes. And then IOWA Mid South is also king of the death match, correct? Yes. Okay. I believe both those tournaments were happening before this. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure both of those tournaments. Happened before this was a thing, so if this was the case, I understand the internet wasn't very wasn't as popular as it is now. But could have Rob Black stole <laughs> the King of the Deathmatch <laughs> tournament idea from IW Mid South, or at least the concept from CCW? Uh,
1: it's,
0: it's possible. Well, look. Let's look at Deathmatch wrestling in two thousand. It's this is when it's starting to happen, and it's weird because people. People give ECW a bad rub. I think a lot. I mean, it was hardcore style. I mean, there was a lot of trash cans and and tables, but they didn't use weed whackers and glass tubes weren't really that much a thing. Like you, you it was still the, basic. You see New Jack sometimes he'd have a stapler or something. was like, Whoa.
1: but it was gimmick too. Yeah. It's a little bit different between that and now the the piece of plywood with forks, with metal forks sticking out. It, it's or skewers. Cra- it's is it
0: is it? Do you think that a whole deathmatch match culture was pretty much based on a couple guys getting tapes of Foley and 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 funk, and then the other IWA deathmatches matches, and them just kind of those the, the the early days of the viral clip. You know, people seeing the exploding ring and stuff like that. Like, is, is our deathmatch culture pretty much built on tape trading? Yeah, I can I can see that. You know, because nobody mainstream, I don't count what ECW said, nobody mainstream was doing it.
1: Yeah, ECW, ECW, did barbed wire ropes very sparingly and they only tried exploding ring one time yeah. like they never really went they i mean they did beat far. the crap
0: out of that foley funk clip but they play that forever like anyway. yeah so i mean that's what might be what on it but it's interesting that in 1999 there's pretty much really no death matches and in 2000 i mean or just in this era boom all of a sudden we got iw mid-south we got czw we got xpw and i'm sure there was others as
1: well, well from from what I've just uh, looked up, uh, IWA Mid-South King of the Death Match Tournament, the first one was in October 1997, Wow! with Ian Rodden defeating Axel Rodden, and then nothing again until 2000. They ran uh, October 20th and, and October 21st, so 2000. they beat him. They beat him with one event, but they didn't run again until late 2000, so... But I don't, I don't know if
0: I count that, that 1997, because no one them it was probably taped fist matches ladder
1: thumbtacks and thumbtack wiffle bat deathmatch okay <laughs> uh there's a barbed wire boards barbed wire baseball bat deathmatch four quarters of pain deathmatch uh barbed wire and glass spider net double hell deathmatch um wow um, and then the final was no rope, barbed wire, electrified, light bulb, chandelier, lights out. Death okay, patch. so nineteen
0: ninety seven.
1: <laughs> All right, and that- but, again, but again, that was only one event. Like they did nothing. So I don't blame Rob Black for bringing back King of the Death Match in early two thousand because he didn't he, think they were going to run it. Ian Rodden wasn't the, running it. Ian Rodden started later. it back up in two thousand and then went consecutively every year.
0: Um, you know what? I, I missed a huge point too. I think. What also happened with the rise of deathmatch wrestling was backyard wrestling. Because oh, yeah. in the backyard you just use whatever's around you and it's usually just ridiculous. I think that's what the weed whacker idea came from. Ridiculous items. And think about it, backyard wrestling wasn't a thing until the Attitude Era. Like you don't really hear a lot or see a lot of people like wrestlers that like got in the eighties or early nineties, I used to backyard wrestle. That wasn't a thing until The
1: 2000s on generation. It actually wasn't. It wasn't a thing until the 2010s. Like we all backyarded, but like we all backyarded, especially those of us old enough to backyard in the 90s. Like we all did it, but we were taught as soon as we got in the business, do not admit to that. And yeah, I couldn't talk about forever. Yeah, now in the 2010s, I think probably 90 percent of everyone in WWE uh, backyarded at one point. Like I've pretty much the same across the board probably a e w and other feds, like it's come to be accepted now as yeah, this is something that kids done kids did to further their love for the business and then eventually get into the business, do that
0: all right, so let's kind of get into the king of the Death match tournament in a first round, we had a Bed of barbed wire and nails, where Supreme defeated
1: Kid Chaos. You, you Kevin Kelly nails? <laughs> no, no, I would love that. You just, you, we have nails on this bar. This barbed wire this bar. and Kevin Kelly just lay as nails, laying down there. How, how much would he take for a booking? At, at Whenever indie
0: worker was named Bob Wire, because you he know he's out there, with Bob Wire. In it.
1: We, we we worked for enough uh, weird wrestling federations. Indie feds, I'm sure I, we can convince one of them to book Nails to do I, that.
0: I feel like Nails, for some reason, he's untouchable for everyone. I don't know why. Like, like, why is not, like, some promoter, just for example, why is not John Thorne
1: booked Nails? <laughs> <laughs> why, yeah, you, why hasn't he popped up at any – why hasn't he popped up at Spring Break? Or PWS when they were booking yeah. crazy
0: stuff back in the day. Like,
1: 3PW was booking a lot of weird people, like, like – King of Trios, that would have been perfect.
0: Oh, oh man! Oh, uh, trying to find just three guys with pr-
1: prisoner gimmicks. Throw <laughs> <laughs> so Nick Cage in there too. <laughs> it's
0: okay. Yeah. Um. So uh, the next match, it was a thumbtacked barbed wire ladder. So I'm guessing they're wrapping the ladder and then thumbtack.
1: I mean, maybe thumbtacks were. lot. Oh, wow. Like, maybe thumbtacks were taped on each rung of the ladder, and you had to climb up oh, it. Oh, So you had to step in the thumbtacks oh. to get up.
0: Oh. It was a to be Johnny Webb in that. Uh, then we had the bed of light bulbs uh, war- wrapped in barbed wire. That will be the laugh. It, it's a hat on a hat. <laughs> it's just. <laughs> it's. It's so nineteen ninety nine, like you, you, even like this was the culture. We, we something could have just be something It'd be like, "Hey, we got new Dunkaroos. They're peanut butter extreme, chocolate, strawberry, frosted Dunkaroos."
1: <laughs> like you can't just get a taco; it's got to be wrapped in chicken or something too. <laughs> we
0: got a double XL chicken jalupa covered. <laughs> um. Oh, but John Cronus and man. Can we just st- John Cronus? Can we talk about John Cronus for a <laughs> minute? Like, here's a guy that was always a very good worker. I and obviously Saturn was a better worker. No one's doubting that. But like, for him, his career trajectory to be in one of the hottest tag teams in wrestling, to he's an XPW in in 2000 when the, all three companies are still trying to find as much talent as they possibly could. Like.
1: It's crazy
0: to think he's here doing death matches for for Rob Black
1: and not on television. I mean, he's a guy that he was trained by Saturn before shows, and Saturn had to like Saturn was basically his handler. There's been stories of Cronus just not being kind of on the scale, being on the spectrum, and not really there, uh, and just not really like struggling a lot in wrestling. It is a shame that, yeah, he did have talent. He did have ability that he didn't really make any farther when him and Saturn broke up. But, yeah, here he is just, like, during a hot era that you would think, like, the eliminators were over. Like, they were huge. He's over here in California doing death matches.
0: It's it's crazy. And, you know, people always want to talk about, like, Eric Bischoff opening the 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 uh, checkbook, checkbook or that crazy era in WCW where Russo said we got to get younger so he signed all these guys in developmental deals like like you see here like like there was still some talent out there that just nobody was touching um, and that's where like a company like WXl probably if they weren't so m- mismanaged money wise <laughs> had a home for some of these guys it worked that for what i'm saying is i mean it would eventually burst it in 2001 like everybody else but four feds probably could have worked in late 99 or early 2000 as far as what the talent was out there um and then we had a uh the so oh and then the bed of nails barbed wire bat match where axel rodden defeats homeless jimmy then just a random match chronic defeats JN. <laughs> just, just put it right put a regular <laughs> Straight up. Break it up a little bit. And then we had the second round where, uh, in the bed of nails, barbed wire, and thumbtack, Supreme defeated Messiah. And then in a nails, barbed wire bat match, Cronus defeated Axel Rodden, two ECW alums. And then the XPW heavyweight title, false count anywhere, Chris Candido defeated uh, Damian Steele to win the title. And then the XPW king of the death matches tournament final, no rope, barbed wire, beds
1: of everything. <laughs> Supreme defeats John Cross. So what really amazes me on these deathmatch shows is like how long they actually go and uh, how long it takes to even set things up and how the fans are still hot all the way to the end. Um, what I found
0: interesting too, and I mean, this is pro- maybe a point I can make later, uh, you know, as we go in, but I find it interesting that in an era where deathmatch wrestling is becoming a thing, there wasn't a ton of crossover. Like, you saw some of the Mid-South guys in CCW, and some of it, but not all the time. They didn't always crossover, and not some of the CCW guys there. But these XPW guys never, I mean, maybe probably mostly because of budget, but they never made their way over there. And imagine s- popping in Supreme <laughs> in-, in-, in CCW in 2001
1: <laughs> like I think a lot of it goes into like what we talked about on the APW show where you had California was basically an island unto themselves. You had a lot of guys that would work Southern California, they might go up to work the Bay Area. But that's pretty much it. Like it's all within driving, which is still it's still pretty accurate in wrestling today. Like, for the most part, wrestlers are stick to their general area within, like, a 12-hour drive. So, you, like, you have workers in California now in 2021, pandemic aside, but you have workers in California that are really good, and some of them get out because they pay for a flight and might come out to work GCW or they might work a collective show and they get some buzz off of that. But for the most part, like, what happens out there... You can watch a Defy show or a 3-to-1 battle show, and it's a lot of different talent than what you would see on, a, typical, on like a Limitless show or even Freelance or something in the Midwest. So you have these general pockets, and not a lot of guys travel back and forth. And it's...
0: I mean, you see a little bit there is fly-in talent now. I mean, in these, more than it ever was. And you see it a little bit with Game Changer, but yeah, like... I mean, if you look, like there there is some guys on that West Coast that really should be working all over, and they just
1: they just aren't <laughs> unless they fun. Yeah, because like, that,
0: that drive's not easy.
1: Uh, yeah, and I put over I put over Daniel McCabe a lot. He's a good worker. Yep, and uh, he's on the West Coast. It's just in Vancouver. It just sucks that he doesn't get over to the, to the East Coast as much. Like he, he he'd be a guy to be booked on every WrestleMania weekend show. Yeah. I think he I think he is booked on the this weekend. Yeah, he
0: is booked on a couple. But I mean, but like he would be all over. Oh yeah, yeah. Like all over every show. Yeah. Um. So yeah, there you have it the uh, the first ever X B W King of the Death match. Uh, We got some notes. From the Observer uh, on March 6, 2000, uh, Shane Douglas appeared uh, unannounced on the February 26th XPW show in Hollywood, California, did a 15-minute promo on WCW, in particular on Bill Bush, Hulk Hogan, and Ric Flair. Douglas did a Sam Kennison routine where he pretended to call Bush up on his cell phone, including yelling out Bush's phone number to the live crowd on the mic. Douglas reformed his triple threat group from ECW with Chris Candino and Tammy Sitch, who appeared on the show. Douglas asked how WCW could draw ratings with chunks of fossilized manure like Hogan and Flair. Earlier in the show, Candino dressed up to look like Terry Funk and doing many fun spots, won that group's title from Damien Steele. They also had a King of the Death match tournament won by local wrestler Supreme, who beat former ECW wrestler uh, John Cronus in the main event, which was a no-rope, barbed wire, thumbtacks, glass, and nail match. Axel Ron defeated, uh debuted losing the semifinals to Cronus. Reports are that the show had too much blood and wasn't as good as their previous show. Another former ECW wrestler, Mustafa of the Gangsters, worked the undercard, which is not listed on here at all. The XBW website claims that they'll start on KTLA, the WB affiliate in Los Angeles, on March 31st. So, a lot to go there. Um, Shane's on contract, isn't he? With WCW? yes. Because uh, he's on those late 2000 like shows. When there was there was
1: there was a time there was a time period there when the radicals left WCW. Yeah. He was part of that group. They WCW also sent him his release him to sign, and I believe he never signed it when he found out that the radicals were making a deal with WWE without him. But he sat home; like he didn't come back until Rousseau Bischoff took over.
0: Yeah, and I remember because the feud with Kidman and the Viagra. And all yeah, that, yeah.
1: But so, like, he was definitely under contract. I don't know, like, if he was getting paid. Let me check uh Mookie's site to see. Actually and then, what and then Candido,
0: he's in ec or wcw not too long after this i don't think
1: No, candido came over like a month later not even a month later because i i was just looking up his uh results on cage match he was working thunder at the same time he was working xpw so he must have uh had to drop the belt uh yeah um so let me look i had a bunch of tabs going here um yeah, there's a lot a lot of material in this show. Oh, okay. Uh, Shane Douglas con- terminated contract in February 2000, so he wasn't under a contract. Uh, March 1st, 2000, here's an internal memo um, from Diana Myers, from WCW, to Brad Siegel, uh, where they negotiated increased contracts for Evan Courageous, Shannon Moore, and Shane Helms, terminated four contracts... Mark Hildebrath, Hildebrath. I don't know if that's Hildebrand, just misspelled. Yeah, probably. Anne Marie Crooks, Bobby Eaton, and Troy Martin. So they did release him in March first, two thousand. So, coincidence? Maybe. Uh, Maybe he knew he was. Maybe they already told him you're done. So that's why he did this. Um, Because like that's the actual date. (coughs) That's the extra date of the memo. He was probably fired a week earlier. But then uh, his new contract started April 1st, which would have been when Russo came back to the company. Okay. So he was only gone for a month. Okay,
0: because like, you would think Paul would try to get Shane back in that time period. Especially when like they're they're still on TNN at the time, right? Trying to pop a rating.
1: Yeah. You would think he would be the guy to come back and maybe beat Mike Austin awesome for the belt instead of Taz, but oh,
0: that, no! That wasn't it. Was that, that wasn't this month though. That was
1: April. Was it April? Yeah, it was early April. So it was a month later. It was when Bischoff came back and all that. But yeah. Shane Douglas, he, he left on bad terms, didn't he? Was with Heyman. I mean, I know in years later, he may have how many people left on bad yeah. terms? Yeah. I, even I came back. I've I've Sandman I, left the bedroom. Yeah. Even was a... I know Douglas has said he maybe uh,
0: try a lowball. Shane like he did Sandman.
1: Yeah, because I know Douglas uh, when Douglas had some issues leaving, and I know Douglas had fronted the money for a Pittsburgh ECW show. According to according to Shane, he fronted the money for a Pittsburgh show, like tens of thousands of dollars for the venue, for the talent, for like payroll, for. Flights for advertising with the assumption that he would get reimbursed and never did. So I believe, like, he was owed tens of thousands of dollars in the bankruptcy. And then, but looking at the still looking at his contract for WCW, he went uh, in 1999. Now, obviously, it wasn't a full year, but he made 172,000 in 2000, he made 328,000 with his new his new contract he signed in april was for 350,000 a year. So he got a huge raise. So perhaps he knew that he was going to come back. Perhaps by the time he was released like he just didn't want to go he didn't want to sign a contract with ECW or go anywhere else knowing like the door might still be open for me here. I just need something for the time being.
0: I wonder if also too he maybe thought he could still get into the WWE. Like, oh man, those guys—they'll remember. They'll try to put me over. <laughs>
1: like, I mean, I from what I've heard, like he, he still tried to get in there in 2001 as a manager, but there wasn't Pr- much Pritchard interest. Richard
0: likes to say that that Shane's how he left in '95 had nothing to do with that. Like, oh no. We did not have interest in Shane. Shane was never brought up in the conversation. They never brought up Shane. That's bullshit. <laughs> like
1: I don't believe that. Yeah, I. I Vince 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 McMahon doesn't watch wrestling, <laughs> so like he his only memory of a lot of these guys is like when they're around him. So his only memory of Shane Douglas would have been in '95 and him not liking the click and being very bold yeah about it because again, like in '97 when they did the whole uh, ECW invasion on Raw. Shane Douglas was one of the top guys. Like, why wasn't he involved in that at all? I never realized that, yeah. Like, he... Even the shows at the arena, at the ECW arena, when Lawler would come over and, like, RVD and Sabu were doing their stuff. Like, Raven was kind of on his own, too, as a champion. But Shane Douglas wasn't involved at all. You would think, with his history with WWE, he would have been the perfect candidate for that.
0: Yeah.
1: But, nope, he was off doing his own thing.
0: Well, uh... There was a uh, double shot uh, another tour. Um this this one's interesting. Uh March twenty fourth in Bakersfield, California. Uh Kid Chaos defeated Carlo, Carlito Montana, uh Big Rod and Chronic defeated Los Vados Locos, uh, which was felony in uh Pancho Quila, Um, which is still I love saying that name. Dynamite D defeated Sybil uh yeah, and then they had the XBW King of the Deathmatch title now. Supreme defeating Axel Rodden. The Messiah defeats Johnny Webb. John Curtis defeats Homeless Jimmy. And then an the XBW World title, Chris Candino defeated Damian Steele. And the next night, they're in at the Palace in Los Angeles where the Deathmatches were supposed to happen. Uh, Sybil defeats Dynamite D. Uh, Big Rotten Chronic uh, over a felony in Pancho Aquila. Johnny Webb defeated the Messiah. No contest. <laughs> Between Damian Steele and uh, and uh and Jake Lawless, Carlito Montana defeating Kid Chaos, Axel Rodden defeating John Cronus and Supreme, and Chris Candino defeating homeless Jimmy. Um so I, now they seem to get their own they have their own core of guys. And it seems like Cronus is a regular, Axel Rodden's a regular. Um the couple of the guys that were there in the beginning, like Big Dick Dudley and all that are gone. It looks to be, you know, D- D- Damian Steele still around at this point and they're doing a the core though of of chaos and supreme and johnny webb and homeless jimmy and big rotten chronic and felony and Pancho and carlito montana like dynamite d like these are the the guys that are kind of the core
1: of xpw at this point with
0: stuff sprinkled here
1: and there um if we and, and i just want to point out too that that show okay uh the Bakersfield show, which again, I find it weird like running that's 90 minutes north of not LA. About but weird it's like,
0: venues, we're gonna talk about the next one. But go ahead.
1: Uh, it's just weird that you're running a death match like an extreme fed in Bakersfield, which is again not really a hotbed of progressive ideas from Bakersfield. It's but, a
0: very rural area of California in the a- aspect of lifestyle.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. Like, Bakersfield is a city, but. It's more. It's a conservative city compared.
0: So so just just to kind of put this in perspective, Bakersfield is one of the hubs
1: of country music.
0: Think about that. A city in California is one of the top cities for country music. Yeah,
1: it's uh, yeah. The uh, population, the urban population's five hundred twenty three thousand. City is about three hundred fifty thousand. So they're no means a small city, but also they're very right-leaning, um, very, their ethnic competitions, over half of it, fifty 57% white, uh, so it is a, yeah, it, it's, it has a lot of makeup of, like, a traditional southern wrestling city, and I just, I searched for Strongbow Stadium just because I'm like, stadium? Is that, did they run an outdoor show? Uh, what has come up, it's not an outdoor show. It looks more like uh, it's a small venue. It looks like the Dome Arena in Henrietta in Rochester, but more of uh, a very small uh, indoor venue with high ceilings. So like, kind of like a mid-South Coliseum with just like the lower bowl. But still, like something that's pretty big for what they're doing. Something that you're going from American Legions and small theaters to this somewhat big building that maybe ECW would have been running at this time or maybe even WWE for like a C-level house show might be running in.
0: Well, you want to talk about arenas.
1: <laughs> okay, let's – What's? I didn't click on what's next. Let's okay, so –
0: From the Observer, March 27, 2000, Extreme Pro Wrestling will begin running (laughs) monthly shows at the 17,000-seat Los Angeles Sports Arena on April 15th, which is an awfully ambitious undertaking. This is Dave's opinion for an independent promotion, which starts on TV one week later on a station that most of the cable companies in the market don't even carry. Uh, XPW starts on April 8th on America One Network Saturday nights, which I do want to touch on in a second. At 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, the show can be viewed on the Internet during that time period on the American One website. The company also has reportedly reportedly offered six-figure contracts to the likes of Sabu and Shane Douglas. All right. As far as the six-figure contracts, I don't find that to be true.
1: I mean, I can understand they offered them, but would they be able to honor them? That's yeah. the difference.
0: Um, before we get into the sports area, America One does not get enough credit for its influence in professional wrestling. So the America One Network cover had NWA Wildside. They uh, had XPW. They, if I'm, I mean, I could be wrong because I was a kid, but this was the same network that I think it, it either was America One or turned into America One that would carry, Smoky Mountain, and they would carry ECW and Syndicate. I know ECW was
1: on and on there, yeah. And
0: they would carry they, they would carry USWA and like they were very pinnacle to that non major network wrestling. Like,
1: yeah, they had. Uh,
0: it's, and it's hard to find a lot of stuff on the internet about them. They,
1: unfortunately they carried Ontario, the Ontario Hockey League, which is. Uh, yeah, Ontario, uh, Canada, Australian Football League, uh, the USAR Hooters Pro Cup, which I believe is soccer racing, the ECHL, which is also, it's a minor league uh, hockey. Still around. Yeah. Indoor, well, barely, but uh, <laughs> indoor football league, uh, the American Hockey League's All-Star Game, English Premier League, uh, they aired some rugby uh, they also showed some MMA in the 90s, so they
0: were... They had the English Premier League when the license wasn't, like, super crazy to buy. The rights were nuts.
1: So they were basically ESPN, the Ocho.
0: <laughs> they had a lot of stuff on there. I remember as a kid, they. I really mostly watched them for wrestling, um, and it's awful. It's It's so hard to find stuff on them now because... When you pull in their name, One American News Network pops up.
1: Yeah, that, that's I had an issue uh, searching for it, too. But, like. but uh, when you –
0: so when I was a kid, and once again, this isn't me looking at facts and everything, so if I, if I have it wrong, I'm sorry. But if I was a kid, I remember it was Channel 67 here in Buffalo, in Buffalo, um, and on a Saturday night, you would get – and this was so cool. On a Saturday night, you would get USWA at 8 o'clock. They would show, which I think at this point, Smokey Mountain was out of business, but they would still show Smokey Mountain stuff at 9 o'clock, and then 10 o'clock was the syndicated uh, version of ECW, and that was just the coolest thing in the world to be a kid. And I, I do like, I can't really remember, I remember, like, they would show movies and and maybe like old sitcoms and stuff. Like I think old episodes of The Rock were on there. <laughs> like, but I, I I don't really remember a lot of the sports stuff because like as a kid I think I like the big sports and then wrestling. So, but I do remember it being. And then I, you know you well, I know Wildside had a deal with them and we talk about Xbw. I, like I said, I don't think America One gets enough credit for a putting smaller independent wrestling or smaller territorial wrestling in syndication. Oh, I fully agree. You know, so the, 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 that's 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 my high, my, my my hill I'm dying on today. America One
1: Network from the '90s, from the '90s
0: deserves.
1: Yeah, make credit. sure America One from the '90s, not One America. Now.
0: Yeah, America one the 90s deserves more credit. Um, no matter what your political belief is, that other network doesn't show wrestling.
1: No, it doesn't. Um,
0: but uh, all right, so so the.
1: Los Angeles Sports Arena. <laughs> yes. Wow. Wow was that ambitious, huh? Um, I mean... That's that's kind of Dale you're, Gagner-like You're level. running country
0: clubs, you're running small theaters, and you're going to go to the L.A. Sports Arena. And did he really think that Candido and Sabu... Like, listen, I'm a huge Chris Candido fan. And Sabu... I mean, I, I love Sabu as a kid. Um, but did we really think that... He was that they would draw a seventeen thousand seat house in two thousand. Like even when (laughs) this is the wrestling boom, you are it's starting to really be a one sided (laughs) wrestling boom. WWE and everything else, and I mean, I mean, you don't have any like you're not getting Terry Funk on the show. But I don't even know if that would make a difference. Like.
1: And and but, Dusty may have been gone this time. You could have got Dusty, but still. I don't. But but here's here's the other side of the opinion. I think it might have been a it was ambitious, but it might have worked because in 1999 the Staples Center was built. The Clippers, yes. the Los Angeles Clippers, were the main tenant of the sports arena. They left for the Staples Center. So this sports arena had pretty much nothing at that time. They had USC basketball. So they, yes. but that was that was I think that was it. Like they had nothing else, and like WWE also, like WWE, and uh, they moved on. They were running Staples Center whenever they came. Actually, no, WWE was in Anaheim. They mostly ran Anaheim in the '90s. They were running Anaheim. Staples Center got built. They they started doing shows there. Uh, so they were and I believe WCW was running shows at the Forum. So the Sports Arena was pretty much empty. He might have been able to get a good deal on rent there, uh, and even if you get seven hundred people, the floors—you stick them on the floor. You're not like you turn the lights off. There's going to be it's going to be huge and cavernous, but. Being able to say we're well, coming from the Los Angeles sports arena, if you're trying to sell a show to networks, to TV stations, and trying to get publicity saying you are you run in the Los Angeles sports arena, that could be worth – that could outweigh the cost of running a place like that.
0: So, I mean, I, I understand – I get that, but I still think that – I mean, you you still have to have some type of presence before you run
1: something like that. Oh, I fully agree. I think I I, think I I
0: just think at this time, I, what's this is before the ECW invasion, this and that. So, like, no, I does, does the common fan know XPW exists at this time? If they don't
1: read, no, Dave, because. Keller's they were not reporting it like, like and they were they weren't on tv either they were you know they're so, just okay, a I, period premier yeah.
0: America one like i a two days before the, or did they do you know what I mean?
1: i'm i'm saying running sports arena is a good idea with all the other reasons but it they weren't at that level to do that like ecw could have again more power to him for trying that or at least putting out the rumor about it but, yeah, they could have been in a much better position to be able to run there.
0: Uh, now, next on the notes here before we get to the show, uh, April 10, <laughs> 2000, now with the Observer, Axel Rod no showed an EWA booking, where he was the biggest name on a show in Wakefield, Massachusetts on March 25th and took an XBW booking instead. According to the EWA website, Rod never called to cancel nor returned phone calls or emails when the EWA discovered promotion of him on the XBW show the same day. The promotion at the show crossed Rotten's photo off on the promotional poster, but then announced his no show to the fans. Rotten the, was the group's hardcore champion, and during the show, an unannounced newcomer came out with the belt, saying he found it laying in the back and was defending it and losing it that night. So, um, and clearly, he's Rob Black. Maybe he is paying pretty good. At least the names. And not that there's all these giant rumors out there that he wasn't that great of a payer, but like with everything going, on, <laughs> um. And then here, here's the point I was making though earlier. It's 2000. All those guys I mentioned are gone. The Morgan, the Modest, the Daniel, like they're gone. So the the best workers of California are no are gone. <laughs> they're they're
1: no longer part of this. Um, and I do want to say, well, it. Ties into the next uh, notes, the next uh, mention when they actually do run the sports arena. But uh, during this time, April of 2000, uh, WrestleMania 2000 happens on April 2nd in Anaheim. And if I'm looking at the notes, you know, we, we know WWE runs, like they're always in the area the next few days. They run... WrestleMania 2000, April 2nd, they run the Staples Center April 3rd, and then they're in San Jose on April 4th. So they're in the area about a week and a half before XPW's first show at the sports arena.
0: Yeah, and charging WrestleMania-level prices. So it's hard for that common fan to, you know, what are you going to do? Are you going to spend your money on the stuff that's doing bonkers ratings right now or all the xpw guys you know yeah you only have so much money to go around um so april 16th 2000 xpw and and then there was four was the name of the show at the la sports arena four matches uh we had a false guy where john Cronus defeated homeless jimmy uh steel cage where johnny webb defeated the messiah uh, bed of nails, bed of barbed wire, and broken light tubes where Supreme uh, defeated Axel Rodden. And in an XPW World Heavyweight title, three-way dance, Chris Candido defeated Sabu and Shane Douglas. Um,
1: where did and, the False Card match go into such a big venue? You fought all around that place. The crazy thing about it is, is they run the LA Sports Arena again. And we'll get into this. But... So why not run the Olympic Auditorium? <laughs> like,
0: or, okay, or, okay, listen, like... If you make a decision like this, and you're running a a sports arena like this, you have to know your market. And, okay, Chris Candino, Sabu, Shane Douglas, I get that. But let's just be real. Where are the luchadores. You're in Los Angeles, a heavily Latin American population. Yeah. And you have to fill 17,000 seats. And you got luchadors in Mexico, and at this time the board was pretty lax. That would probably work for cheaper than 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 some of the guys you'd have to bring in. And then also too, this is a good point. This is when they all start getting cut from from WCW, isn't it? Yeah, this this, it's falling into their lap. Like at this point, you where's La Parca? Where's Lizmar? Where's Palo? Like they were all like, (laughs) but seriously, like yeah, like boom, luchadors, you know, And, and and then maybe like. You're, it's Los Angeles, so maybe you try to think of oh, who would have been a draw in the '80s to be a legend, or like I get that's I'm not sure, thing, but like, but I'm
1: sure you can get some luchadors in there to do false card anywhere anywhere, do some do some light hardcore. D- Damien say say say,
0: yeah, he would have been all over this. <laughs> Look,
1: so and you see they work with Lucha Law
0: lately, you know, later on, like
1: so. I want I want to I want to amend my comment earlier about. I I think it might have been a good idea to run this sports arena for the name value. Not when you're running a show like this.
0: No, it it was four matches uh, and all gimmick matches. Like I said, you you need to break up the the monotony. And Rob Black seems to be that he was just banking on wrestling's hot. So how could this go wrong? Right? But the problem is, is when he really gets going, like people people like to put the attitude error in this. Oh, man, the wrestling was the business was amazing for for from 1996 to 2002. And was it really or <laughs> did or, or or did it really get bad in 2000? Now, I, I'm, I'm not sitting here with facts and charts. I'm sure you might have to have some stuff on top of your head. But think about it. In 2000, WCW loses 60 million dollars. ECW. Is in financial peril and loses its television deal. Yeah, WWE is doing all time amazing numbers. They they get a new TV deal with 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 uh, you know TNN and all that. That's great. But is that is the wrestling business good when one promotion's doing great numbers and everybody else is going out of business? or I mean, about to.
1: I mean, w- ECW had their best drawing year was 2000. Like they were regularly doing three, four, five thousand ho- houses. But they were hemorrhaging money because they had to pay for talent. WCB did some really good houses in 2000, like Aust- Australia tour in late 2000 was selling out buildings. So there were there's some good, like some glimmers of hope there. But yeah, like if you look at financials, it really wasn't good. And what and I want to say like. The observer lists more matches than what cage match lists. Okay, okay. So, so right. I was like about to say only four matches. So like yeah. Um, cage match does list a few uh luchadors on there. So yeah. all feel right. a little so, bit okay,
0: better. okay. So, so I take my comments back and I'm going to go into I'm going to get into the the observer notes. Like I skimmed through the observer notes but like I'm looking at the cage match and I'm like really only four matches?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm surprised that cage match only lists four when um. uh, results from the observer list more on there
0: because i'm like where are the luchadors you're running seventeen thousand. <laughs> like um i mean looking at it though they, they didn't use any notable luchadors those could have been guys in mass <laughs> like so yeah no they didn't i'm still sticking to <laughs> my point they yeah. didn't
1: book notable luchadors i mean so you 1200 so I'll i mean where's that. latin lover oh would have my perfect for show. Yeah, latin lover. where's hector garza <laughs>
0: yeah, seriously
1: where's um, Mo mascaris
0: where's the metal maniac <laughs>
1: Or heavy metal, whatever. I Never, not the metal. Where maniac. is the metal man? Him and Snook, him versus Snooka, would have been a perfect main event for this. I just confused heavy metal and the metal man. Heavy metal maniac. That's <laughs> all right. If
0: there's a promoter out there, I hope heavy metal's still alive when I make this comment. But can we book heavy metal and the metal maniac? <laughs> where, where is the metal man? <laughs> I think they're working Jersey at this point. i'm sure metal Maniac,
1: (laughs) yeah or Woodbridge i'm sure metal maniac is still working like Gino Crusoe's feds like he's still he's still yeah no he's he's definitely
0: out there um all right so go to the observer notes i told you guys this show is gonna be off the rails (laughs) on uh april 17 2000 uh xbw's debut show on april 15th the la sports arena they are listing chris Candido versus shane douglas for a kid xbw uh Titles of the main event, plus Supreme versus Axel Rodden and barbed wire, thumbtacks, nails, glass, light tubes, match, and giving away a free video of the first two weeks of their TV to everyone who buys a ticket at their event. I mean, that was smart marketing, you know what I mean? And videos circulate, then tape traded. They're probably hoping they get tape traded. Uh, XBW is attempting to bring in uh, Sybil Danning, the action movie star, to become a heel f- f- uh, named Tool who will be a takeoff of the character Kane in WWF. A uh, Rob Black, a no- noted porn star, owns the company, responded to the ECW lawsuit threats by cutting a wrestling promo, which is now becoming standard operating procedure. On the internet, claiming he was going to introduce a new character called Gay Lee Dangerously with a hat, a ponytail, a cell phone, and a vibrator as his gimmicks. Who will cut promos from sets made out of to be the gay adult video stores.
1: It was that era. So, I understand why Paul sued him because that's what Paul did. That's a Bruce Hart gimmick right there.
0: Um, Yes. (laughs) And I, I understand ECW suing them because... Hey, I'm extreme championship wrestling. You're extreme pro wrestling. Like I, I, I understand where Paul was coming from, and we now know as years gone by, it wasn't just WCW. I mean, Chris Elner brings up in between the sheets. He got a cease and desist for just showing ECW stuff at his public access show. Yeah, like like from Paul's dad, <laughs> like like he ECW
1: was-, was very litigious on both ends, like getting sued and suing people. <laughs> yeah, but. It also seemed like if
0: you if you Heyman tried to sue you and just ignored it, that he would just move on. That's what it seemed
1: like. like. I mean, let's be honest here. Like that's what most that's what you do most of the time with lawsuits. Like if you get a cease and desist, you just you don't respond, you just stop doing it. This and is it goes get away. It worse. Yeah. Like you don't respond, you and, just And
0: do you think that he has look, do you think that Rob Black has a defense? And I think he does if he goes to court and look looks. I'm extreme video. Uh, this is just an outlet of this. Like, for example, it's Coca-Cola today decided we're going to be, you know, we're going to start a wrestling company. We're going to be CCW. Coca-Cola Wrestling. <laughs> Do you think Continental Championship Wrestling, some indie in Alabama, and I'm obviously ECW, but you know what I mean. Like, they can't really. I'm sure they'll Coca- try. <laughs> Coca-Cola's just going to say,
1: they're a subsidiary.
0: And that's yeah. all he could have did. Oh, well, the pro wrestling is a subsidiary of my video company. That's all he could have said.
1: Yeah, you could just let the lawyers handle it because even still, like back in that day, the internet wasn't as prevalent as it is now. Like the ECW suing them wouldn't have even gotten out there unless Rob Black made it public. But I think I feel like that, along with like as we go through the history of how Rob Black Rob Black is, I think he just wanted to make a big deal about that and portray himself as. We're the underdog getting beat up by the big dogs, which is kind of ironic when you consider ECW is now like corporate, and they're they want fans to believe ECW is that corporate machine that's going after the, the the small little guy. Um. Yeah, and then and then this is the this is the
0: era of the authority figure. So like he wants to now be the authority figure and show you know on shows and all that. Talk um, about Sybil dating for a minute. <laughs> Uh so she was a, B, a really big uh B movie star. Uh in in a lot of those um just cheesy like Pale Blood and LA Bounty and a Phantom Empire and Amazon Women on the Moon and uh Reform School Girls, The Tomb, uh Malibu Express, Jungle Warriors, just goes on and on and on.
1: She I was 50 f- at that time too. Yeah, and uh well, 48
0: but yeah, she also appears in a Grindhouse in uh, 2007, which is very interesting. Um, but, but yeah, so, and it's weird because I feel they did have a wrestler named Tool, as, as we heard in the results. Uh, but it couldn't have been Civil Danny. <laughs> but nothing really pops up for Tool,
1: which is interesting. I mean, th- other than the band, but...
0: or. Uh, gary tool and uh an old uh oklahoma city guy (laughs) oklahoma city indie guy um all right so uh (laughs) moving on to the next uh note here uh april 24 2000 uh so the results that dave ellis was moscow della merced beat el cicero which we we talked about this in the apw show it could have been students or guys yeah with lucha masks. My point was it's two thousand lucha libre is a pretty prevalent thing. Um but WCW is releasing a bunch of guys. You also had a bunch of guys in triple A down there. Like you should have had some legit luchadors and your point of reference should have been in nineteen ninety eight Triple A World of the World. Yeah. Or nineteen ninety four I'm sorry ninety four Triple A World of the World. Did really well. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken in the LA Sports Arena. Yeah. <laughs> so like just, just putting it out there. Um but uh Tool beat Dynamite D. Chris don't won a three way uh, over Shane Cebu Sabu. Like we said, Damien beat Halloween. Oh, there we go. There we go. <laughs> there we go. John Curtis beat J- Jimmy the Homeless Guy, Damian Steele, uh beat Carlito Montana, Pogo the Clown, beat Jake Lawless, and Johnny Webb beat Messiah, Supreme beat X one All right, so Damian versus Halloween. That's what I was talking about. Still could have been some more luchadors, but. Um, and that honestly probably should have been focused later in the card. Because um, if someone's just there for a lucha match, should probably put the lucha match on right before the main event. Uh, XPW ran its debut show at the LA Sportsman on April 15th for an estimated 1,200
1: fans
0: for what was advertised as a candy over Douglas Main Event. Douglas Again, for
1: for an indie fed, that's still pretty good. Yes, but in a seventeen
0: thousand seat arena, it just looks ridiculous.
1: You know, we were we were talking off air
0: in a group chat the other day about the NWA Phillips Arena show, which we're going to talk about when our one
1: year anniversary <laughs>
0: comes around. Comes around. If you see video
1: from that, it's a very similar experience. They drew twenty five hundred. Like at least they are smart enough to turn the lights off, so like you really didn't see. But you can still tell. Well, yeah, because like in arenas, when you turn the lights when you turn the lights down, they're still. Emergency exit signs, and there's still, like, the lights on the, the floor for, like, if you're – so, like, if you go into an arena and you're up in, like, the 200 or 300 level, there's still, like, uh, lights on the floor leading up to – so you don't trip when the lights are off. And those lights are still on, so you can kind of still see a little bit uh, during crowd shots. So you can see the place is empty, but just the fact of, like, Phillips Arena, 2,500 people, very impressive. But still, like, probably the smallest wrestling crowd ever in that building.
0: Let's see here. And, all right. So, so see, so, uh, they advertised Canadian Douglas main event. Douglas did an interview uh, ripping on WWF, WCW, and Flair. The fans were chanting, You sold out at him because he signed with WCW. Douglas then called the company owner, Rob Black's wife, a porno whore and the not my words folks and uh slapped her and when black came out douglas hit him with a chain this led to an angle where they pretended another office guy had taken over the match turned into a three-way when sabu did a surprise run-in douglas actually left the ring was mainly a spectator when they started doing tables and stuff with candino pinning sabu to keep the title the biggest bump was a wrestler named messiah who fell from the cage to the floor Axelrod and John Kronus were the only U.S. name wrestlers on the show, but they also brought Halloween, Damien, El Cicero, and Mosquito, uh, Mosco de la Merced from Mexico. Uh, the TV show and, uh, announced on uh, being a small KT uh, LA has yet to air. The apparently station isn't going to run the show due to its content. Which says something since the station carries ECW. XBW is still on America One Saturday nights at 11 o'clock. They will run uh, April 28th in Bakersfield, and April 29th in Ventura with Candido vs. Cebu on top, plus Public Enemy will appear. Um, XPW Wrestling was announced uh, announced for, for the show on April 15th at the Daily Sports Arena that Heyman's legal maneuverings has blocked Cebu from appearing on the show the day before, except they used him anyway as the unannounced surprises he showed up during the Candido vs. Douglas XPW title match, which turned into a three-way dance with Candido pinning Cebu. The word is given us that wink-wink Cebu was able to do the show because he wasn't getting paid. They're clearly trying to force Heyman's hand since Heyman has told so many people that he was able to block Cebu from working in the U.S. because of Cebu's contract breach.
1: So, a little bit to touch on there. Um, And KJLA still around. It is a uh, currently it is the Los Angeles affiliate for Azteca America and air a lot of Spanish programming back in the early two thousands. So, but again, they're over the air, so I can understand them being, uh, not wanting to air XPW ECW is kind of different ECW. While it was very pushing the envelope, while push the envelope a lot. it, was still acceptable to be put on late night on over-the-air stations. Like, Heyman did have some issues at times, but overall, even from that era, that was fine. XPW with some of the stuff that they were doing, I could understand, like, why a over-the-air TV that is... Over-the-air TV network that has FCC regulations would be hesitant to touch them.
0: Well, I mean... I think it's just association too. They know this guy's in porn. There's starting to be porn stars involved. It's, uh, you know, what's well, the thing? A
1: porn company's coming to you saying, "Hey, will you will you air our TV show?" Regardless of it being wrestling or not, like you have a you have a porn company asking to air a TV show, like that's going to be a turnoff for a lot of networks, especially especially during this era where I'm sure a lot of these networks are still ran by people in their forties and fifties that have been station managers for years and decades that are more old fashioned.
0: I might get a lot of flack
1: for this, but I don't like
0: the idea of telling the fans about legal stuff. If you know, you're the guy's just going to appear. Anyways, the fans don't need to know about the drama with Paul Eamon. T- telling them before the show. Sebu will not appear because of of his contract dispute with Paul Heyman. Like, there's no need for that. It it almost makes you think, oh, well, he's gonna definitely show up, or just like, oh, that's really s- sucks. And even when he shows up, then you're like, well, how? Do, then you're questioning. Like, just don't say anything, and boom, he pops up. Like that's all a natural surprise.
1: Yeah. Um. No, I agree. Like, there's certain things that you don't need to put out there. Um, if he wasn't appearing at all, then yeah, you kind of have to address that. And the only way, like if Sabu legally couldn't make it and he wasn't going to be there, the only way to, the only way to explain that to the fans is to say he legally can't, because you can't just say, oh, his flight was delayed or he missed his flight or any million other reasons will just make the company look bad. So you kind of have to say, "Hey, sorry, this is out of our hands." So I can get that; I understand it from that side. But yeah, like the way that they, the way that they handled this wasn't—I don't think—was a good idea. It just further builds that us versus them mentality, and we're the small guy type thing. Which again, like, I've worked indies that have done that stuff too where like you work for an indie and they try to a smaller indie compared to like another indie cross town and they try to the small indie tries to build themselves up as the underdogs that and tries to tell their fans and have the workers believe that the other fed is trying to put them out of business and try to build that underdog us versus them mentality i don't think it works i think it's just no the companies drama. that usually work are the ones that don't really they don't acknowledge
0: acknowledge it. any other companies. <laughs> uh, yeah. like, those are the companies that are very successful.
1: I mean, a lot of companies use that. A lot of promoters use that to build loyalty with the wrestlers. I disagree with that because I've fallen into that trap over the years too. Where an indie fed, a promoter would be like, oh yeah, the other fed's trying to put us all out of business and, and take wrestling away from all, all of you guys. And, and they'll never book you guys, so you should, you should be with us because we'll, we'll book in you. That, also, I think that's manipulative, but a lot of feds also do it that way, too. So you get it from both sides. You get it, They work the fans, they work the workers. And I could definitely see, like, XPW going that route with their workers, too, because Heyman did that with ECW. Heyman told a lot of, those EC, a lot of the ECW workers that WCW and WWE didn't want them, and Wanted to put them out of business and wouldn't work with any of them. Like Tommy Dreamer has said, similar similar things over the years too of how Heyman lied to him about WWE wanting him. So like it definitely like as a as a promoter, it's definitely something that it's definitely something that promoters will do, and it's just it's not right. But it was prevalent in this area,
0: you know, and the Sabu thing. Um, definitely, you know, like I said, we're huge fans. and kind of inspired some of this of uh between the sheets. They, they, they've done a lot of stuff on Sabu, and especially on their Patreon episodes, and a lot of things they talk about, especially in this era, what when, when it with Sabu, uh, mostly on the TNN show. They did what East Serving TNN show is like. Paul was trying to block him from going to WCW, but then, just he couldn't make it look like. It was just him trying to block him from WCW. He was trying to... Because then it would be like, oh, well, you're just trying to block me from making more money and have a livelihood. Oh, I'm trying to block you from working everywhere in the United States because it's a breach of contract. Yeah, that
1: could have been more of a... Sabu could have had a lawsuit against him if he just blocked him just from WCW. And that's why we see him in Stampede so much. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean... And then we get the XPW Stampede relationship. (laughs) I mean, Sabu... Sabu's known to have done bad business. Like, even in the 2010s, he's done bad business. Um, It's kind of a shame that we probably won't do a Detroit big-time wrestling uh, show anytime soon just out of respect for Ed Farhat, who recently passed away. But there's a lot of Dale Gagner, Bruce Hart type stuff goes on there, and a lot of stuff with The Sheik and Sabu, a lot of carniness going on, and and, yeah, Sabu does make a lot of bad choices with his career and, like, with the way his contract is, with the way he's no-showed promotions. So, like, I really don't have too much sympathy for him in this, like, on – with this situation here. But that's just how he is. So, um, I
0: don't mean to go a little off track here, but in look – I think I I see where you're talking about the ECW stuff with Rob Black as far as him trying to be part of it. I found it on Kevin Kleinrock's Wikipedia. So uh, and and uh, we'll, I'm going to talk a little bit later about Kevin Kleinrock, Dave Marquez, and Ryan Katz, and just how really Rob Black put three brilliant guys into the business,
1: <laughs> but uh, um, in the porn business too. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, but. So what's interesting here is is that um, it it says that Black had been negotiations with Paul Heyman in Extreme Championship Wrestling to co promote West Coast shows and distribute ECW DVDs in Brazil, where Black co owned a distribution company. Uh, he called McMillan and requested a meeting to uh, uh, discuss the LA wrestling scene. And as a result, uh, LA wrestling folded. McMillan, Hernandez, and Kleinrock worked with Black to form a new wrestling company, XBW. So. So there you go. Um, just to kind of backtrack a little bit. They were going to – he was going to distribute and basically help promote shows for Heyman in L.A. And then it looks like Kleinrock and other guys convince him to start his own company and then they push him out.
1: It's Probably for the best. I don't know if Heyman would have worked with him knowing everything we've heard about Heyman. Like it probably would have been a clash of styles. 100%.
0: And, and, I mean, I guess, you know, we'll talk about it here. Kevin Kleinrock, if that name sounds familiar, Wrestling Society X. And then now he's actually uh, uh, runs uh, a, a Lucha, uh, Lucha Libre business called The Masked Republic. Uh, they produce pay-per-views under Viva La Lucha, live shows, mo- mo- multiple clothing lines. I think they do a, a subscription box, too. Yeah, the Lucha Lute. They're behind the Lucha Lute. Um, and then also an English Lucha Libre uh, fan scene. But, uh, you know... To this day, we put up the Wrestling Society X thing on the independent wrestling, and we got a lot of buzz on that. Like people love, people miss Wrestling <laughs> Society X um and that that you know and then he was really part of like big vision entertainment i think they were the ones behind like or the 101 reasons not to be a pro wrestler they interviewed to be like china and conan and stuff yeah they've they've been around uh yeah they've definitely been around um and then kleinrock was also a producer of the urban wrestling federation he was a co- co-producer co in that with steve carroll for me from uh ecw uh from
1: stonecutter's
0: production uh, i think yep, yep yeah from, from, from stonecutter uh um,
1: stonecutter media stonecutter media uh also the behind women in wrestling <laughs> behind C- a lot of ccw stuff recently yeah, uh, yeah. still in the business s- yeah that's de- s- still still in the business do people never get out of
0: wrestling no they, they they never do and then so kevin kleinrock was heavily involved and then uh david marquez which you know david marquez most recently he's behind the championship wrestling from and it was just hollywood but now it's uh, he's doing it from Louisiana, Memphis. From Arizona, yeah. Arizona, like, there's about four different shows. I mean, Marquez goes on. Well, got in the local TV right
1: now. Yeah, Dave Marquez goes farther than that. He was an NWA affiliate from the 90s and the 2000s. Yep. He worked. Uh, he was just on NWA before they
0: just rebooted it again. Yeah, he
1: was NWA Power's uh, announcer. He, um, I believe he was like the NWA liaison to TNA during that time
0: he was i mean he's worked for almost everybody
1: yeah like I, like he had a loose association with WWE. like he was on speaking terms with them for a while too like he's been around i think
0: he had a lot of good relationship with movie studios too i think he's the one that made a lot of those you, you've seen a lot of tv shows and a lot of like there's a lot of la indie workers and stuff yeah i think he makes that connection for a lot of them but marquez brought up in, in, in an interview with the uh, alliance uh podcast which uh Shout out to them. They shared our stuff a lot when we did the NWA episode. Uh, um, great, great podcast. Check them out. But with the Alliance, it's they talk about NWA stuff. And they interviewed Marquez and they brought up XBW. And he said that, so if, if you want to get paid for editing and producing wrestling, you had to edit and produce porn. So Rob Black's pretty much like, oh, well, I need to get all my work done. It was never just I was all in on wrestling and then now I have other people run the porn business he merged them all and that might have been one of the biggest issues. yeah basically
1: you yeah you go basically you go to work for XPW and you're like yeah I want I can edit uh wrestling videos that's not a full-time job you would also have to do his other position his other jobs too there too so it yeah it was one and the same
0: and as far as Ryan Katz I'm gonna to wait to that when to, when he starts popping up on shows GQ Money, and then we'll 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 talk more about Ryan Katz, which might be the most successful. <laughs> uh, which you may that that name may not come out to you, but he might be the most successful Rob Black uh, protege, I guess you could say. Yeah. So, but but that's the thing. People give Rob Black a lot of crap, and I get it. I, I'm not <laughs> here defending Rob Black. I understand, but. You don't hear about all these great proteges of Dale Gagner, or even Roland Alexander. Like we talk, I mean, Mike this and that. But like the influence that Marquez, Kleinrock, and Katz, you know, where they went on after was, this, yeah. Over in the last twenty years of wrestling, it's pretty, pretty, pretty in, like influential, and, and 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 that's one thing I think Rob Black maybe doesn't get credit for that he was kind of a breeding ground for that you know this lax kind of like crazy environment might have helped guys kind of you know be themselves and think what they could do in the future yeah um anyways back to the results there uh uh we april 28th we got a house show in ventura california where tool defeated dynamite d uh big rotten chronic defeated kid chaos and steve rizano pogo the clown defeated Homeless Jimmy. Damian Steele defeats Carlo Montana. Messiah defeats Johnny Webb. Public Enemy defeated Axel in Supreme. And Sabu defeated John Cronus on the house show. And hey, at least he didn't book a doink, right? <laughs> and then, and then in the XBW Heavyweight Title uh, Tournament at the Strongbow Stadium, your favorite place, <laughs> in Bakersfield, California. They uh, It was uh, f- first-round matches where Messiah defeated Johnny Webb. Damian Steele defeated Carlo Lita Montana. Sabu defeated John Kronis, Exit Rodden, and Homeless Jimmy went to a no contest. And then uh, Tool defeated Dynamite D. And then in the second round, Sabu defeated Damian Steele. Then you had Pogo the Clown defeating Jake Lawless. And then they had a tag team three-way dance where Public Enemy uh, defeated Kid Chaos and Steve Rizzino and Big Rotten Chronic. And then in the main event for the title, because it looks like at this point uh, Candido, uh, you know, left left <laughs> so sabu defeats the messiah to be the xpw heavyweight champion
1: well I guess like we said earlier he was already working uh for he was ready in wc at that point so he was doing a few, he was doing some xpw shows but he, i couldn't see that being him telling rob black hey i've i'll finish up my dates you should take the belt off me and probably never did and probably just thought, like, Kandito will still show up as long as I keep advertising him because I'm paying him.
0: He didn't get out TV contract, dude.
1: Yeah, no, it doesn't work that way.
0: Uh, Sabu, uh, this is May from, uh, 2000 from uh, The Observer. Sabu was the new XPW champion after winning a one-night tournament on April 20th at Bakersfield, beating John Cronus, Damian Steele, and Messiah in the finals. Candido had the title but no show the previous night of Ventura, and they did an angle where Rob Black appeared on a video screen in a fake phone call <laughs> telling Candido not to show up uh, as part of their promoter-versus-promoter promoter feud. Supposedly, Sabu will defend the title on a May 5th FMW show against Mr. Ganasaki, uh, which makes a strange political deal because Paul Heyman is supposed to be sending Balls, Mahoney, and New Jack to the same show, and ECW and SPW at this point appear to be at odds. After being fired via fax uh, from Heyman earlier in the week, Jeff Jones of AEW, (laughs) current AEW, uh, appeared on the Ventura show and did the typical name-calling bit. Speaking of XBW, the two stars of a new Bondage video put out by XBW owner Rob Black's companies are John Cronus and Nicole Bass. (laughs) The group's next major show is April. May 26th at the LA Sports
1: Arena. So, um, so wrestlers want to make extra money. There's another part of the company they can work for.
0: This makes me sad. Someone should have gave Cronus a job. <laughs> like, he's got to do this. Cronus should have been working for a contracted company in two thousand. Well,
1: he, he was. It was a contracted porn company.
0: Where was Herb Abrams?
1: It was all, he was already gone by
0: 2000. Herb <laughs> Abrams could have had a TV. Could have gave him a deal. But no, unfortunately, we lost her before that uh, on the uh, billboard rec sports video charts. The WWF occupied the top six spots with rock. Know your role. Austin versus McMahon, Best of raw stone cold sock continues. WWF's most memorable moments of 99 and the debut of rock. The People's Champ, and all WWE had 14 of the top 20 and WCW had none of the top 20, but their video, they had a ter- like being Turner videos. They 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 were very awful at releasing videos.
1: Oh, they they it was rare. To so, find much a so much WCW, so much miss money. Yeah,
0: um, there was a debut at number ten of XPW Extreme Wrestling Hardcore Conception. It's damn impressive to put a video that ranked higher than any WCW video has in months, let alone higher than on the charts than Wrestling with Shadows and all but one or two WCW videos have ever done a uh, none lately. ECW has never had a video released to commercial outlets. There are scheduled to finally release videos to outlets this year for actual numbers. And what that means is that the XPW video sold over 400 copies over the one week period nationally, which is all you need to know, all you need to get to the number 10 on the chart. The number one video of the week, virtually always the WF video via the Rock in Austin, usually sells about 5,000 units.
1: So it's not a lot to get on the list, but it's impressive. And they're getting their name out there because ECW and WCW are not doing that. So, but ECW really didn't have home media. To no, be honest, they, did, they, had, they didn't. Well, they had RF video. They were doing their own, like their own. But independently.
0: Feinstein, until the internet really became a thing, online shopping, Feinstein wasn't really good at it, other than going to shows, getting his videos out there. I don't think
1: it was. It was in the tape trading. It was a tape trading. You could yeah, send but... away for it. Uh, and get the VHS tapes. But they weren't professionally produced. If And it wasn't until, I want to say, 2002 or 2003 uh, that I actually bought two ECW DVDs from FYE. And I don't remember who produced them. It might have been Stone Carter Media. Uh, but they were I just... I see Steve Carroll sometimes. They yeah. were just collections of... Old footage and it might have been our video uh, but like it took that long before any ECW stuff finally showed up on DVD like everything before that was VHS which isn't shocking because Ring of Honor when it started was all VHS so like they're still definitely behind the times and just doing bare bones uh, tape trading at that point for ECW and here's XPW release a commercial video which again our video that's tape trading that's independent. XPW is obviously. I don't know if they're an Fye, but they're definitely they're definitely selling the tapes in stores. So
0: here's here's where this is impressive, and I'm not crapping on it by no means, right? But how many people that are a young age at this point are buying that thinking it might be ECW?
1: A lot. Like I don't, I don't doubt that a majority of fans saw that. And I think and it was Bix was... band Sanders
0: said that the XBW logo is very tiny, and it's like extreme
1: wrestling. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, like backyard wrestling was taken out. Like backyard wrestling videos yeah. were being sold too, so like those were getting pressed. So I, I can see, I can buy that a a good amount of people thought there was ECW that they were buying, but I could also see other people seeing. Uh, advertising of getting hit with light tubes, maybe a picture of that on the cover, on the back cover, that could also sell too. But there's definitely confusion in the marketplace.
0: Uh, on May 26, 2000, uh, Observer reports here uh, that who worked for on May 12th for Haslam, New Jersey, for NW New Jersey. Dennis Carlos was fed, beating Ace Darling. After the match, Candino and Tammy Sitch attacked him into set-up a match over the summer between the two. What is Kid Dino doing in Keynesburg, New Jersey over the XPW title? Okay. Uh Raw on uh, May fifteenth and
1: Cleveland. Why is he still work he's been with WCW for two months? Like why is he <laughs>
0: Um, Raw on May 15th at uh, Cleveland so Show into the last half hour the main event had that annoying overdone 1997 Survivor Series finish, but I'm guessing they needed to do it because they're going to tease again as the finish of the Judgment Day match. By the way, in a clever move, if you click on com, it takes you to the
1: XPW
0: website. So I wonder if they were just, every time, they were just trying to look at all the paper interview names and trying to like...
1: I mean, cyber-squatting was a very young business at that point but I know ecw was doing that uh too like a lot of companies were trying to do that and buying up like buying a pepsi.com and uh like dietpepsi.com and just finding I hope all that the companies would
0: just want the website to just pay you for them yeah That's well it-
1: it, you buy it with the hopes of uh, of fans going to the wrong site, like misspelling something and going to the wrong site. But the ultimate goal is to get a company to, to just pay you 10 grand just to buy the website and go away. Like to buy a website, it's $10 a year. Like that's nothing. So that's why cyber squatting is such a big business. Even to this day, it's still huge business.
0: Um, so we'll go to the results of the next, uh, to, uh, XBW shows May 26, 2009 at the LA Sports Arena. Uh, Mexico's most wanted Damian Cesar on Halloween defeated El Cicero at Mosco de la Merced. Uh, Pogo the Clown defeats Dynamite D. Carlito Montana defeated Jake Lawless. A two-on-one handicap where Tool beat Los Vatos Locos. Uh, Steve Rizzini defeated Kid Chaos. Uh, Tracy Smothers defeated Tony Jones. Uh, Cronus Defeats Johnny Webb. Supreme defeats Axel Brown and Homeless Jimmy in a Three-Way Dance. The Public Enemy defeated Big Rotten Chronic in a no... Oh, I'm sorry. It was a no contest because Public Enemy can't put anybody over. Uh, <laughs> in a casket match, the Messiah defeat Damian Steele. And then Sabu defeats Chris Candino in an XPW World Heavyweight title match. Like, what is going on with... So <laughs> Candino? Candino's back. I did, like, I'm just so confused. <laughs> like... How is it how long was he actually in WC Like what is he doing? Like actually, you're right. Let me look at that 'cause this is interesting. And he's he, and, he, and he's being like announced for for Carluzo too. Like like
1: The fact that he was back with Corluzzo after uh their falling out. Yeah. Uh so he was working His last WCW show was June 21st on Thunder. So. For some reason, nothing's listed until December 2000. Wait, did he get hurt? I think he was wrestling hurt. I think he had the cast on his arm during that time.
0: So do you think that WCW told him to go home and he ended up working the indie dates? Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow. Because Candido was still wrestling with the yeah with the cast. I remember that. Yeah, June two thousand. He uh, briefly lined himself with the New Blood before we formed in the Triple Threat with Douglas and Bam Bam Bigelow. He left WCW later that month. But this is May. <laughs> like let's. <laughs> So he's definitely working. He's
0: he's double dipping. Yeah, he's he's a hundred percent. He's a hundred percent double dipping. I mean,
1: the luchadors all did that too.
0: Yeah, but it they, they was a lot easier for them because nobody in WCW would know what's going. I mean, I, I mean, there's 18 lucha libre shows that run a day. <laughs> you know, they don't. It's hard to keep track.
1: Um. he was making 104000 500 per event in WCW. Start date April 14th. Rob Black could have got sued over this.
0: But WCW didn't think, like, WCW just always would get sued. They never thought where they could sue, other than they would just countersue WWF because that's what what
1: Nobody in management, I, I, I don't think any of them read the dirt sheets or even put two and two together. Like, like J G Dillon's not searching are, uh not looking up one dot com or r- Raja dot Raja so, WWF to see like results and notice, hey, Steve Carino is under contract, but he just worked a promotion in California. So maybe I, we should tell him no. I used to think
0: that we we still to this day, like we see the old results from the nineties that have like Virgil, you know, Vincent and, and Beefcake and Kevin Sullivan and they're just popping up like in Ohio and
1: Pennsylvania. And I was, Virgil was king of the Pittsburgh Indies and in I always, the late, eight, in late 90s.
0: And I always thought that was just, well, these guys aren't really heavily booked and, you know, whatever. But now I'm starting to think that WCW just didn't know. WCW had absolutely no idea. Well, I have a free weekend. All right, I'm... I'm, I'm, I'm I'm not big enough where the it will become that big of a. a they a don't deal. care, yeah. Like and and that's what probably Candido was doing here. But isn't that? I
1: they, mean, the story isn't
0: that just insane. Imagine if that happened today. It can't. Couldn't because the internet. But yeah. like, if just like you know, right now they're not traveling. So then just let's just say Cesaro goes. All right, i a. I'm gonna go work that. Out. Aaw show,
1: I, yeah. I, 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 I I I really want to work Jake something <laughs> like, like yeah. Like, I mean, I think it's it's come out. Uh, third party bookings was still a thing, but third party bookings means you book them through the WCW office. WWE wasn't
0: doing third party bookings through the office. WWF no. did.
1: WWE was yeah.
0: not. WWF did because Vince always used the local promoters, so he knew like.
1: But you had to be approved if you were, yes. and we've we've gone through that before, especially with uh, the Super Eight. Talk about the Super Eight, where Cornette was the third was the, the guy you had to contact counter, in the late nineties. Yeah. yeah, but uh, it's I think Bischoff confirmed it on uh, his podcast once of how Conan was double dipping, where Conan would get talent to leave, uh, leave A and go work WCW, and then Conan would start a promo, promo as Tekka and get his get the same talent to work over there by saying like if you. If you work for WCW, it's the only, you can only work for me in Mexico when technically none of those guys were allowed to work Mexico as per Bischoff. But at the same time, it's their days off, and nobody in the office was paying attention. Or because the preference of characters just being recast in Mexico, there was plausible deniability. For years, people thought WCW just had a working agreement with promo PromoS.gov.
0: They didn't... According to Bischoff, no. Yeah, like, they. they so that's why... And Bridget even says that's why they reached out to AAA.
1: Yeah.
0: They didn't think they could get any pro Azteca guys. Because uh, pretty much CMLL, all those... Well, EMLL became pro west and then CMLL was really down at that time. But th- that's... It's why, a way... It's confusing. It's, though, yeah, yeah. But, like, they, they thought they had a working relationship. But nope. It's, Godad just told those guys he could work. They can work both. Yeah. Um, so uh, just the results from, from uh, so they do, they do the LA Sports Arena show. I mean, you got your public enemies, you got your Sabus, you got your Candidos, and you got your core group of guys. Um, I mean, this isn't the worst. You know, it, it couldn't be, you might not be a big fan of deathmatch wrestling, but like even on this show, Supreme's not here. <laughs> you know, we got Messiah, but Supreme's not here. Uh, and then on May 27, 2000, uh, XBWD Day Aftermath Part 1 in Bakersfield, California at Strongbow Stadium. We got Pierre Russo defeating Dynamite D. Uh, Kid Chaos defeats Steve Rizzano. Carlito Montana defeats Damian Steele. Tool over John Cronus. Tracy Smothers defeating Tony Jones. Tony Jones showing up now. Supreme beat Johnny Webb. Pogo the Klon defeating Axel Rodden. Abdul the Butcher defeating <laughs> Homeless Jimmy. Abdul the Butcher popping up in uh, for XBW,
1: i mean why wouldn't he if you're booking if you if you're running a deathmatch fad like and then
0: nobody's like really booking abdul the butcher in the states you know uh and then we had sabu defeating candido and the messiah and then we'll just go into may 28th that same weekend xbw d-day aftermath part two in ventura california at the majestic theater we got pogo the clown defeating tony jones dynamite d over damian Steele, tracy smothers over pierre russo tool over homeless jimmy uh, John Cronus and Steve Rosano defeat Johnny Webb and Kid Chaos. The Public Enemy defeat Big Rod Chronic. That is not a no contest. But Abdul the Butcher next to went to a no contest. <laughs> the Messiah <laughs> defeats course. Chris Candino. And then Sabu defeats the Messiah.
1: So, it's also interesting Tracy Smothers is over here after. like, He did the ECW stuff. He went back to WWE, which a lot of people don't realize. Like, He was working WWE on Jacked and Metal. And house shows almost every week. He
0: he double dipped in ninety seven. He was working USWA and ECW. Yeah, Paul. So was Tommy Rich. They both were. I mean, but in ninety eight, ninety nine.
1: I don't know if Tracy brother's had a actual contract, but he's actually he was on the WWE payroll for a while. Uh, he might have been working like helping them out in developmental, maybe helping them out working with young talent. But he had a he had another run at WWE during that time, and then. I think that ended late '99, early 2000, which lines up for him now coming over here. Which is still weird that like he never tried to get back with ECW and and now is commuting to California.
0: Yeah, because remember at this point the FBI now it's like they're a
1: serious team.
0: Yeah, but it, it's big, it's it's Mama Luke and Guido with like Big Sal, and I think that's yeah. it at that point. You know? Yeah,
1: but um, they weren't. They were. They went from being a comedy gimmick to a legit come so uh, of the best matches
0: in the business at that yeah. point like um all right here see here so yeah so the, you got that triple shot weekend there and then uh, Dave has some notes for May 29th uh XPW on May 26 Celebrity Sports Arena is headlined by Sebu versus a Mystery opponent for the title with rumor being Terry Funk it wasn't uh, Halloween and uh, Damien Face Mosquito Sir, Tony Jones and Tracy Smothers the BU um so, so, so there you have it. I mean, another L.A. sports arena. It was Chris Candido was the mystery opponent. Um, which, if you're building his mystery opponent, yeah, I guess you made it look like Candido's not coming back. But then, if I mean, granted, this might be a small thing, but if anybody reads the dirt sheets, they know about the stuff at Carluzzo show. And I don't know.
1: but at the same time, like Candido, I'm Candido look, was this still this wasn't working as bad WCW. as
0: people painted out to be, or at least these first year.
1: Yeah, first year is not bad.
0: Like it's, I mean yeah, he, did, he he's doing some he's doing some it's really
1: questionable and that's some really weird deathmatch stuff. But and the, overall, the fake
0: Kane character, yeah, I mean that stuff's kind of stupid. and
1: Rob Black appearing as a heel, like yeah, not it, a fan of Pogo. I think that's dumb like, you know, like so.
0: It's got potential starting out here. You know, especially too cuz like was the clown? Who's the Deathmatch match clown at FMW? Right, I mean, I'm getting that Right, there's a Was match it Pogo clown. the clown? Well, this isn't the this isn't that Pogo the clown though, because this Pogo the clown is Johnny Nuggs from Anatok, California. <laughs> well, no, <it> wasn't he? <laughs> like, also known as Joe Apple Bomber. Um, and it, don't don't, fo- don't call Luther a clown. Hey, actually, funny story. Guess Mister where... Pogo is what you. Mister, yes. Guess where Pogo the Clown trained? Roland Alexander's APW. It all ties wow. together. <laughs> like, Roland had to be so mad. <laughs> like, oh, you're going to do that death match? <laughs> Roland wouldn't have let that happen. It is even being the place where Vic Grimes made to start. I don't think he would have let that happen there. No, he um, wasn't
1: a death match connoisseur.
0: No. Uh, we got June fifth, two thousand. Uh, and Now, Dave has a follow-up. You know, where XBW ran the LA Sports Arena, saw Sabu retaining XBW total over Chris Candido. After the match, Abdul the Butcher attacked Sabu. That's a, that's an interesting matchup. Uh, Tracy Smothers also debuted on the undercard beating Tony Jones. The most entertaining match was reported as being Damian Halloween over Moscow, Della La Merced, and El Cicero. Uh, let's see here. Just look at the results. Okay. All right, so June seventeenth, two thousand. We have Xbw Vengeance, which I wonder if they trained Vengeance. vengeance. I bet. Are, I bet. Yeah, I bet. Trademark Vengeance. Yeah, um, and they had uh, Carlito, Montana, and Pogo the Clown go to a no contest. They had the most no contest in wrestling. That's the one thing that's bad with this product. It's not the. It's the no contest. <laughs> How many results have I read that said no, there's at least no contest on one show? Uh, we got Tracy's mother's defeating Nosawa. I want to see that. That sounds good. Um, Mexico's Most Wanted, Damien Sissese, in Halloween, uh, beating Big Rod and Chronic. Steve Rosano defeating Cape Chaos. Johnny Webb defeating Homeless Jimmy. Tool over John Cronus. Messiah defeating Supreme. And then Sabu, Sabu and Abdullah Butcher go to a no contest. I...
1: I, I just you went, know what?
0: We started, like, There's some good talent here. There's some good ideas,
1: but I, I think, it's the no contest, man. Like, like does the Booker not have balls at this time? And not telling like, him, like, no, motherfucker, you going? You're losing.
0: Is it that, or is it just like he thinks, like, oh, both guys, like he's like, beat each other till they either can't stand, and we can continue
1: the feud. I. It could be, but I think more so by looking at the people involved. I think it's more. Of I mean, just, a lot of
0: it is if Abdul's involved, Sabu's involved, the it's more Academy's involved. Yeah, it's a lot of the names. It's
1: more of a lot of uh, someone, but you see, like a it, Steve Rizzano Kid Chaos match. we going to no contest <laughs> like. I think because the main are doing it, like <laughs> I, they might as well, right? And I did do want to point out Dota B's first event called Vengeance was December two thousand one in San Diego, uh, so. Uh, you could say WWE stole that name from Rob <laughs> Black.
0: You could, yeah. Um, June 19, 2000, the ECW Heatway pay-per-view will take place on July 16th in the Grand Olympic Auditorium in Los Angeles. They're going to go head-to-head here, folks. Uh, which will be the first West Coast appearance of the promotion. The appearance of Los Angeles may also have significance as it pertains to XPW being based in Los Angeles.
1: So that's the question. If XPW didn't exist... Would Heyman have taken a chance in mid two thousand? Not not mid two thousand, no way. Like did he have
0: ideas that when he met Rob Black to run in ninety nine? Of course.
1: I mean I'm sure like it always I'm sure it always came up about running LA and running the West Coast, because if you're trying to be a national company, but would he have done that? Would he have actually pulled the plug or pulled like pulled the trigger and done it at that time? And was that a one and done? Like I, I know they didn't run Los Angeles again. I think
0: so. I think they may have ran California again, but I don't think they ran.
1: Uh, yeah, it was uh one and done. They did. They were in, in Poughkeepsie and Philly the week before. Uh, they're in Los Angeles, and then the next week they're in Illinois, and then and then a loop of Texas. But like they, that's like they did. It was a one and done, which is. It's very strange.
0: I've listened to a lot of wrestling history radio, um, or podcasts, or not radio podcasts, over the last few years, and L.A. was a pretty bad town for almost everybody. <laughs> like you hear of terrible draws from the NWA, you know, after Turner uh, bought them, and even
1: before they Crockett X- bad draws, in, and
0: cry, like yeah, like.
1: WWE would run there twice a year and do yeah. okay, but like you couldn't. WWE do doesn't run there all the time. Like,
0: you know, they just just doesn't draw well. Like it's and, and 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 and
1: but lucha feds do because but I think that's the culture.
0: I think that's the culture, but that's why I'm saying when you have a show, you have to have a huge lucha influence
1: yeah. on it. I think it also can go to the fact of. Why indie wrestling draws better in the small towns than it does in major cities? Because there's Los Angeles, there's so much to do. You, you have so much for sports and entertainment that you're competing with all of that. And I know, like we have debates, especially with like, Westernomics, Brandon Thurston, a lot about other things affecting draws. Where there's
0: there's the, always going to be there's the
1: mindset of you could say, oh, the weather was bad. That's why wrestling did. Like, the mindset of like Thurston, where and many others too, where the only the only reason a Fed doesn't draw is because the pro didn't put on a good didn't put on a card that fans wanted to see. I think it goes deeper than that. I've always thought it goes deeper than that, where you can still have the greatest show, and there could be extenuating circumstances. And I think stuff like this can prove it, where you could run a small town and draw better than you can in the major city. It's Not 100% because of the card. Like, there's other factors involved.
0: I'm, you know, just to talk about modern business for a minute, I'm really interested in when AEW goes back on the road and they actually run Los Angeles because they have a lot of those PWG guys. Like, does that do anything? The Bucks being from there, Scorpio Sky, Christopher Deos, Frank Gazarian, like...
1: I think they will just because it's the same reason why WWE does good when they go there twice a year. It's the touring... The the hey, it's circus. only in
0: town once in a while. It's not like a regular thing. Yeah,
1: it's it's why the circus draws really well, and why Disney on Ice does really well, and uh, the Howland Grove Trotters do really well when they come to town. Because it, and Monster Jam, when the Monster Jam come to town, Monster Jam, like, Sunday, Sunday, they Sunday. draw really well because it's a once a year thing. Maybe even less than once a year for some of these towns, it's a major attraction. And Vince McMahon has been a master at creating that where you're once once a year he comes to town, people are going to spend money to go see it because it's an attraction. If you try to get fans to come once a month, it can be a struggle in some of these cities, even in, the, even in the Indies. I And I definitely believe that LA. Southern California is one of those markets, too, where it could be a struggle to get a steady fan base going. I mean, granted, they're still drawing. They're drawing several hundred. They drew 1,200 to the show at Sports Arena. So they're still drawing well. But again, like when you look at the Los Angeles market, there's tens of thousands of people. When you look at the actual uh, metropolis of the area. So uh, thir- 13.1 million people. So, so like and and then you even count San Diego. That's got it's over 20 million, 20 million. So you think like that area, you you should be drawing more than a few hundred. Do you,
0: do you think this has anything to do with this um, where? OK, so when you talk about a big city in New York, right? New York City, right? Or Chicago. Chicago might be the best example for this, but. Wrestling draws really well, especially in Chicago. But those are cities where people go to be in other industries. Like Chicago, people move to Chicago to be in either hospitality or business, financial markets like media, stuff like that. People in New York, yes, there is people that are trying to be comedians and actors. But really, people are there to be in financial and, and, and stuff like that.
1: You, they're transplants. People move
0: to Los Angeles to be an entertainer. Yeah. They want to be a movie, they want to be in TV. Like, you know, why would they spend a little bit of money they make trying to go see entertainment when they want to be in entertainment? I find myself as awful as it sounds, like I sometimes find myself hard to buy a wrestling ticket or a comedy ticket because I'm already in those industries. And not that I don't want to support, but sometimes I'm like it, it just feels weird. Like, oh I'm trying to be you know, if you're at a
1: wrestling of, show almost every weekend and you get one weekend off, it's kind of hard to buy a ticket. I get that.
0: Yeah, but, but just like for say somebody's trying to be a, a an actor and freeing up three minutes, three hours that are time to go some wrestling show. And who knows they could get a call for a, a bubble gum commercial. Like yeah, I'm, I'm just saying that I think one of L.A.'s biggest problems for entertainment is not, there's a lot of choices, but there's also so many people trying to be in entertainment. I mean, I could be wrong, like, but
1: I mean, I could see that. I mean, that's probably why like running downtown Los Angeles might not be a good idea, and you run more on the outskirts of Anaheim again, Bakersfield, uh, you might have better luck there. But again, that's those are more conservative areas where the conservative people, the more right leaning uh, citizens of Southern California, are living on the outskirts, are not living in the progressive Orange County, aggressive los angeles county so i think you're i get where you're coming coming from there and i yeah. i can tend to agree with that i can go that go that route
0: uh june 26 2000 xpw on june 17th at the la sports arena was headlined by sabu and a double disqualification uh Abdul do with the butcher in a match it turns out if your appearance at building door running by big dick dudley cleaning house is a baby face of big dick is back uh, most of the show was based around promoter and money man Rob Black doing the thing that all promoters strong seemingly feel they must do today playing heel and getting involved in every segment of the show and that was a pretty uh, a trend that still really goes on to this day 20 years later it still later.
1: goes especially so. on the indies where you have to have a heel authority figure
0: <laughs> almost every place does uh July 3rd 2000 on uh this week's sports uh, rec video chart WF had the top four spots and 12 of the top 20. The top five were two rock videos followed by Eva Destruction and Austin McMahon. Two indie groups with the Juggalo Championship Wrestling at number five. There'll be a future episode. And <laughs> XBW at number 13 also cracked the top 20. Something to, something no WCW videos have done for some time.
1: So they're still appearing. So they're still selling. So they're still popping up,
0: man. Yeah. And, 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 they're still, and, and I think, like I said, I think the common fan just sees her, uh, extreme wrestling and you see Candido, Sabu. I mean, they're getting almost kind of lucky. At this point, it's 2000 and they have a ability to get some of these guys because of just they've burned their bridges everywhere else. <laughs> and Candido's just doesn't care about a contract, he's working wherever he wants. Obviously, well, that's always been Candido
1: up until up into
0: the 2000s. Too. To, if I'm an independent contractor, I'm going to be an independent contractor. I mean, I, I get where he's coming from on that. Um, uh, Note from July tenth, Sabu was Terry Funk. Headlines See XPW show on July twenty second at the Los Angeles Sports Arena. Sabu also worked the weekend uh, for Stampede Wrestling and came not only a PB Moore but also Josh Lazy of XPW. Sabu was looking to bring some Stampede guys to XPW. We talked about that, and that very didn't really happen. That relationship, the
1: yeah, they they really tried to make Sabu into a torn champion. Yep, they, they're little, they little touring alliance. And I I do want to say like. Uh, I did go ahead here. Uh, Sabu versus Terry Funk did happen. It did at the Los Angeles, uh, Los Angeles Sports Arena, which again happened uh, a few days after ECW Heat Wave. Yeah, and
0: then just the the July twenty second two thousand XPW, Go Funk Yourself, <laughs> uh, where Pogo the Clown defeated Osawa, Carlito Montana. Uh, and, and and Big Rotten Chronic Defeat of Mexico's Most Wanted, uh Damien St. Halloween and Rey Mysterio Sr. with Lady Victoria. Rey Mysterio Sr. uh um also uh in WrestleManiac, the star of WrestleManiac. Uh, I quit match, uh, Kid Chaos, defeats Steve Rosino, uh, three-way dance, Johnny Webb with Jessica Darlin, defeated Homeless Jimmy and John Cornish. This show is full of female valets. King of the Deaf, King of the Deaf match title, Supreme with Christy Mist, defeats the Messiah with Lizzie Borden, uh, loser leaves XBW, Kid Chaos, defeats Tracy Smothers, Tracy's already gone, uh, uh, with Rob Black, and then XBW Heavyweight title with Sebu with Josh Lazy defeats Terry Funk with Rob
1: Black. And uh, that, the uh, the write-up for that is actually after the Heat Wave section of the yep. notes, but uh, it, they, according to Meltzer, they drew 1,100 uh, 1,100 heavily papered. So, I'm wondering if they did something with ECW, where a fan if you bought an ECW ticket, you can get an XPW for free. I mean, it might be in the know, so I'm just jumping ahead. But I, that's definitely that's definitely something that I could see them doing.
0: Well, we'll kind of get right into it. The ECW Heatwave show uh, took place before a crowd of 5,700, a near sellout, even though there were free tickets being given away in the parking lot before the show. On July 16th at the Grand Olympic Auditorium in Los Angeles, which due to its national coverage was along uh, with the Madison Square Garden and the Keel in St. Louis is the most famous pro wrestling er, arena in the United States in the 60s and 70s. Ever since the event was announced for Los Angeles, there's rumors that XPW, a Southern California-based indie group by Porn Mogul, I like that name, (laughs) uh, Porn Mogul, that term for him, uh, Rob Black patterned after ECW uh, that had already been sued for a trademark infringement and contract interference by ECW would cause some sort of disturbance. So that shows that he he sued for Sabu, probably. Uh, the, The company actually promised such on his website, leading to tons of concern beforehand by ECW. Uh, as fans were being led into building, a local security laid out the following rules: no Xbw. See, they're ahead of their
1: time. No, no Xbw. ECW like... <laughs> yeah. like, like
0: like censoring sign,
1: which is so strange because like... they would do it. Yeah, of
0: yeah. all places. Yeah, um, it's it's kind of funny. Like they, they, I like looking at old footage where like sign guy would just write signs, <laughs> like like just bring a marker with them, and now here they are censoring in two thousand.
1: I mean, WWE has always claimed that they, like, in the Attitude Era, they didn't censor. They were censoring people.
0: Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, no XPW signs. At least two uh, still be managed to be snuck in and were visible on camera at times during the show. And we had reports from fans who noted they brought tons of signs in and none were checked for content. I, I uh, Okay, you can go on no, to the next one. No blank signs. Okay. Uh, ECW e- e- management didn't want to give XPW employees or fans a chance to create such signs once inside. So, and- wait,
1: I... And I will say, like, the, the way around that, though, is you have two signs and you put, like, pro ECW stuff on both, on each of them and XPW stuff on the back side, and then you just tape them together. So the XPW stuff's in the middle and no one's going to notice it until you get in and you, you tear them apart.
0: Or no blank signs. What if you have a sign on one side and nothing on the other? Like, people would just do that too. They just had one form. One that key. too.
1: They would want to say, like,
0: Oh, yeah, just have a sign that like, Raven's the Mist. <laughs>
1: and it, yeah, and you write XPW on the other side. Yeah, yeah. definitely. There, um, there's definitely ways around it. Number three, no XPW shirts. This is, Wow, all this is happened in the year. So are so you going to turn people away, or are you going to give them free ECW shirts? Hayden, doing this.
0: Uh, XPW flyers for their show the following Saturday at the Sports Arena were on most of the car windshields in the parking lot, and they were being passed around the building. Uh, ECW was also assisted by a local musician named Doc Marley, who once uh, worked for XPW and assisted ECW security in spotting out XPW (laughs) wrestlers and officials as they tried to enter the building. They had a narc. Jasmine St. Clair, the former porn star who had worked for XPW getting into wrestling, but is now the girlfriend of uh, Brian Heffron, Blue Meanie, and works for ECW, also pointed out various people associated with XPW around the arena. So they're all just snitching on him.
1: Uh, f- <laughs> I could just imagine uh, Atlas Security there with Jason St. Clair at ringside, and she's like, all right, that person out. <laughs> uh, a few. Uh, like she's Doug Dillinger. It's crazy that ECW is doing this. It's, this just shows I mean, you they just w- didn't want any issues, obviously. But like, A
0: reality show based on Paul Heyman in the year 2000 would have been interesting
1: because his whole life was just crumbling, and you could say, this is not like him. This is, this is
0: insane.
1: Like, why even run Los Angeles if this was going to be the issue? Exactly.
0: Uh, A few XPW wrestlers came wearing company T-shirts but were forced to turn their shirts inside out and went to their seats in various parts of the building in front of the front row. It was suspicious that under the circumstances the rival promotion wrestlers were able to procure the choice front row tickets. They give away supposed angles in the crowd in 99% of the cases on television television. I never said cases of television or, or actually works. At one point, the pro wrestler Supreme was wearing a shirt, and some fans were chanting XPW, seeing some of that been planted in his fans as well, and Atlas Security told him to turn his shirt inside out. He did so and shook the Los Angeles police officer's hand and proceeded to pose for photos
1: and sign autographs. <laughs> um, according to one... But again, I- like, why? yeah, why... How did the XPW wrestlers get the front row seats? Like, obviously... Someone like maybe XPW fans uh, quickly bought up the tickets and sold them to them because that's it's quite a coincidence. Or was
0: Rob Black on the uh,
1: the presale? Like just, I mean, maybe I, what, maybe the ECW fan club. Maybe Gabe was in charge of like getting those tickets to any members of the fan club, and I, that's that's a sto- that's a story we don't have the answer to, unfortunately. <laughs>
0: Uh, According to one XPW wrestler before the show started, there had been a dialogue through an intermediary who worked for ECW and New Black and spoke with him about the show and the internet threat. Uh, Black supposedly told him there would be no problems before the show, uh, but he had purchased $650 worth of tickets. There you go. ECW didn't believe him, hence enforcing the aforementioned rules for people coming to the building. XPW wrestlers and officials located throughout the building caused no incidents for most of the show and continued to pose for photos and sign some autographs. Although, for the most part, most of the fans didn't know who they were, except for they were guys who looked like local indie wrestlers, and because Mist stood out. Uh, people were coming up and, uh, them for photos and autographs as the show went on particularly in between matches at the end of Rhino vs. Sandman Rhino after winning drank a beer to mock Sandman and threw the beer can in the direction of the XBW contingent in the front row some of the suds hit XPW wrestler Supreme who was at ringside with Valet Christy Mist Jimmy the Homeless Guy, Chris Closs uh, and Kid Chaos but most uh, drenched a fan sitting next to them uh, Supreme started yelling at Rhino who never acknowledged him just as the main event uh, with Justin Cradle versus Tommy Dreamer started, the crowd started chanting for Francine to take her top off. Missed an XBW valet stood up, turned her back to the ring, and took off her top, revealing a black leather bra, which got a huge crowd pop. None of which was evident in watching the show on television. Those near her say he she was teasing, doing uh, what could be accounted kind of do practice tugs on her top. At, different times throughout the show and apparently ECW officials noted it once in the middle of the Van Dam match before she could uh, tease taking it off. Francine was in her face about trying to steal her heat since Francine was supposed to do a spot where she lost her top at the focal point of the main event. According to one report, Miss Shud Francine who shoved her back. Supreme started taking off his shirt, although most feel it wasn't to fight, but to turn the shirt around and have the XBW logo visible on camera as the commotion broke out. Mist went down. XBW officials claim uh, a security guard shoved Supreme, who fell into Mist. Another XBW wrestler took off a shirt revealing an XBW shirt
1: underneath.
0: Um, and There's more. We're going to get to
1: the $650 worth of tickets could have been 40, 50 tickets maybe. Yeah. So, At that time, yeah. But, I mean, for a crowd of 5,700, like he must have like placed them strategically around the building. For that.
0: And let's, okay, so I'm not defending, like, what their real motive was here. Yeah, they were there to to get noticed. Like, they're signing autographs and all that. But they don't really, the, the whole night could have been fine if Rhino doesn't throw the beer can in the direction.
1: And I, I I still think there would have been an issue with Chrissy Mist. I still think like that would have come come up. But
0: okay, but let me ask you this: If that's a regular fan who shows off their top as Francine get mad, no, it happened all the time. I the think at that time. yeah, but
1: I think they knew it was XPW starting that, so I think that's why it made. Like, you're not know, gonna tell me the workers, like the ECW talent, didn't know that XPW people sit in the crowd and were gonna start shit. If this happened in. Decatur, Illinois at a house show. No, no one was gonna care. But Francie knew that there was XPW people in the crowd that they were gonna start shit. So that amped them up, anyways. So I'm sure that had something to do with that. That definitely was a factor.
0: Um. So continuing on because it it, it 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 gets crazier. Uh, <laughs> The cameras, strangely, were showing that there was a major commotion for longer than would be expected, but not showing what the commotion was. The only mention was Joey Styles indicating a drunk fan had done something to Francine while all the security and half the locker room emptied out and rushed uh, the corner ringside looking for a fight, wisely not giving XBW any publicity.
1: (laughs) The old locker room clearing out because people just want to throw punches. Yep. Uh, to the TV
0: audience, they wouldn't have realized anything was up other, other than a typical fight in the crowd that appeared a little out of control. Kid Cash, in particular, was throwing punches over the railing at the XBW contingent. Fists were flying everywhere, and fans were getting knocked down. One, one report uh, indicated that two of the XBW contingent were also throwing punches at security, but others claimed nobody from XBW put up much resistance to getting thrown out. Streamer, was generally the peacemaker wherever the crowd is trouble, wherever there's crowd trouble ECW events, went out of the ring despite his main event match had, had, actually having just started. The crowd um, sorry the camera showing this far too long in this day and age smells like an angle, but it surely wasn't, even though it's very similar to ECW's angle on a WWF pay-per-view in Philadelphia several years ago where WWF wrestlers weren't alerted to the fact at a time that it was an angle. If fans only saw the TV version, it just seemed like a typical fight in the stands. Uh, but that ECW wrestlers got involved in rushing off after the perpetrators, and there was no indication whatsoever that it came from a rival wrestling camp. The only hint after the commotion was when the camera panned to a spot where the XBW wrestlers had been. Those, there were fans wearing T-shirts for one of the XBW wrestlers, although one of those familiar with the name wrestler Johnny Webb would have would have never would have ever noticed it. Um, security chased XBW wrestlers out of the building, where a brawl took place in a parking lot. Enough of the fans realized a fight was going on outside, that a large percentage of the audience rushed to the back to the live crowd. It largely killed the main event. Um, I'll stop there, and we'll go into some more in a second. Um, so, now it's just, yeah, like, it's just, and in Dreamer, yeah, Dreamer usually is the peacemaker, and he still is like that to this day, just in our yeah. situations. And yeah.
1: Well, I don't think the XPW guys were ever coming to start a fight. I don't. No, they they wanted to get attention. That was all they did. That's all they wanted. And I they weren't They probably
0: thought like, "Oh, these guys are business. Mm-hmm. They'll know we're doing business. Maybe we could do something together." I don't know. I don't... Rob Black wanted to co-promote shows years ago.
1: I don't I don't think that. I think it was more of Rob Black amped them up into all believing ECW is coming in our territory we need to send a message we need to stand their crowd we need to sit in their crowd and get the crowd to chant XPW and I think a lot of them believe that I'm sure a lot of them realize like hey we're probably gonna get kicked out but I don't think any of them thought like the ECW locker room would clear out and try to physically fight them I think that was they didn't think it was gonna go that far. And again, I I think I brought it up on previous podcasts. like My biggest pet peeves in wrestling is the old school mentality of and it still happens in the indies where someone, like a fan, gets too far and tries to take a swing at a wrestler and 30 wrestlers from the locker room clear out and start throwing fists at random people. Like, it's fans, it's workers that have that mentality of they're begging for a fan to hit them because they want to knock on a fan. Like, no, if you, that's not this business. Let security handle that. You don't need a lawsuit because you're going to get a lawsuit. The f- promotion's going to yeah. get a lawsuit. The promotion's, the indie Fed's going to shut down if they get a lawsuit over that.
0: So Use you, the fan's banter to your advantage.
1: Yeah. If a fan takes a swing at you, like, let that, if a fan actually connects with a worker, let that one worker handle it. If he wants to throw one punch back, Spur a moment, that's up to him. But mostly let security handle him. Especially nowadays that we were more cognitive of mentally challenged fans. That you, that fan could be on the spectrum that just took a swing at you. So you're going to hit a mentally challenged fan. That's not going to go good for you or anyone. No. And if you're a wrestler that just is begging for a fan because you want to legit punch someone in the face, go do MMA and get out of the business. That's
0: yeah, I mean, like I said, you know, I always, as as a heel manager, I love messing with kids. Because if a kid's going to punch me, I'm not going to punch a kid back, but it's great heat. Yeah. Because I'm a coward. I'm just, like, Yeah. So, I mean, I'm riling up these kids, and these kids are like, I'm going to beat you up. <laughs> like, 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 And you know what? If a kid somehow connects me, yeah, I want security to say something. But it's just great business. But if I hit that kid back, I'm just killing my career in the company. Yeah. Like, like, and that's the thing. Like, you want to you get fans to want like, to hurt you. But you can't hurt them back. Just keep your distance. I would always do this bit, too, where I would put the security guard in front of me. Like, yeah, you can't get me. I got security. Mm. That's, that's the smartness of that. You rile them up to want to hurt you, but then you diffuse the situation in a way you don't lose your heat.
1: Yeah. There's there's ways around it. I guess I guess now would be a good time to tell the the Brody Lee uh, Binghamton story with two CW. Okay, um, <laughs> I mean Brody didn't care, but like now I think we can tell the story. It's kind of infamous where two uh, CW fed from Central New York uh, used to run when they're running uh, ran Binghamton New York, which is for all intents and purposes a shithole. Uh, it's, it's, it's commonly, it's routinely ranked as the worst city in New York state for, for jobs, for crime, for poverty, for pretty much everything. Uh, and they ran the American Legion post downtown Binghamton, like the worst area of Binghamton. It was always a scary situation at times, um, I've had fans swing at me if I make it as a referee if I make the three count and not see feet on the ropes by the heel. Like it was pretty bad. Um, we had to have security have me- the metal detectors, the wands for a time because it got so bad. Uh, this venue also could no longer do hip hop concerts because police were getting attacked in the parking lot. So the police took away the liquor license. So, anyway, we're doing a wrestling show. And they're doing an interpromotional feud with 2CW versus uh, NWA Upstate, another company from, um, in, out of Rochester. Brody Lee was part of that company. So he was defending Upstate along with Donna Marcos. And uh, like six months earlier, they did a show with Spike Dudley where Spike uh, re, uh, redid the Terry Funk angle where he asked for all fans to throw chairs in the ring. And that was a big mistake because now every show after that, fans threatened to throw chairs in the ring. So this show, all the babyfaces are down. They're getting attacked by the heels. It's big like Memphis Mid-South type heat. And a fan threw a chair. Basically like Frisbee to chair. Went over everyone's head, over Colin Delaney and Jimmy Olsen's head. Hit Kevin Dunn from Dena Marcos. Uh, hit done on his ankle when he's on the floor. Brody Lee saw this, saw Red, jumped out of the ring. Referees, we got in between him initially. We noticed there's no stopping him. So we're just like, all right, do what you got to do. He jumps the barricade. The fan runs out, runs across, off the property, runs across the street to a gas station. Brody stops at the end of the street because he's not going to go across the street. Turns around and this guy's friend, who from what we understood was five foot five, was right behind Brody, took a shot at Brody. Brody no sewed it, knocked the kid out with one punch. Comes back in the venue, jumps the barricade. I'm at ringside with the other referees. Brody looks at us and says, Well, just punch the fan. And he immediately went to the locker room. And within 90 seconds, he was out of the building and on his way back home. That was probably the best way to handle it to say if like it got it that far, yeah. it didn't happen in the building. The twelve heels around ringside didn't follow didn't go out brody didn't he didn't initiate it he punched he re he retaliated so I say that was probably the best. Uh, story, the best instant of a fan, that's probably what you should do is chase them out of the building and worse comes to worse. But the worst, again, the worst is you, like the worst is like 12 heels jump the barricade and start punching fans at that moment. And then, like I said, then we go to what happened here and where don't do what XPW did.
0: Yeah, and uh, so just a little more news in the notes from that. So, according to numerous witnesses and people involved in the ECW contingent, greatly outnumbered the XBW contingent as it was far more of a violent brawl in a street. Uh, than the arena. Uh, lots of punches in particular, New Jack, Jack Victory, Salad Grazino, uh, uh, Roadkill, Chili Willie, Mikey Whipwreck, and even Paul Heyman were thrown on their outman foes. One wrestler who was witnessed it said to be about 20 on 7 odds until they were able to escape into a limo but none of them uh, but not before taking a pretty bad beating including an XBW ring crew guy which XBW claimed was knocked down by a wrestler and then punched and stomped repeatedly by New Jack. There were Los Angeles police officers watching this and the ones working the show, and nobody extra was called and no charges were filed. and Nobody was arrested, which also sounds strange, but was explained that they were also uh, uh, upset at the behavior of the XPW crew. One local indie wrestler not involved with either promotion uh, described the science scene, said this. Uh, there must have been 50 of us uh, area independent wrestlers spread around. It was no secret XPW was going to try something. Supreme started it all by showing up right after the dark match with Mr. and trying to get all the attention possible with a couple of obvious plants marking for them. Some fans did recognize them, and any female looking like that is going to stand out. Uh, ECW security made him, uh, made him turn his shirt inside out, and he made a small scene about it. Paul Heyman said after... The show that he couldn't comment on anything because he expected it to turn to a legal situation. It was believed that both sides were considering legal action against each other. ECW for XPW's alleged attempt to interfere with a live television broadcast. And XPW outright said a lawsuit uh, should be expected within a week, claiming the attacks both inside and outside uh, the arena were phys- physically unprovoked and excessive. A few hours later, XPW posted a long internet letter trying to babyface themselves in the situation. Their explanation and defense of their actions border on being preposterous. Six of their employees had seats above the entranceway, and they said they could have easily thrown drinks, food, or signs at the wrestlers, or even cut down the ECW banner that had they wanted to cause trouble. But they didn't. They claimed their only plan was to have the group in the front row take off their shirts and turn them back around, stand up, and turn towards the camera, reveal their XPW shirts. Uh, and to promote the brand's name, and continually claimed that ECW had set them up. That ECW official and sometimes ring announcer Stephen DeAngelis had stated to people that they were expecting trouble and were ready, claimed that no XPW employee did anything physical until being attacked first, and that nobody attacked uh, Francine to set up the situation with everyone coming out. Rob Black, the owner, went even more out of control later in the week, challenging ECW to send five wrestlers for a shoot fight ufc style claiming that ecw only beat up ring crew guys and not on, and not only wrestlers and bet and and brag that missed could be seen performing in porn videos which i guess makes her better than france <laughs> <laughs> all right uh so paul never sues them right
1: not that I'm aware. I don't think of.
0: anything, and that's why people there's conspiracy conspiracy theorists still this day that thinks this was this was a work. I don't think it was, but I no because
1: ECW had nothing to gain. I think this was good for
0: Paul. Like, I mean, honestly, they probably should have ran LA again because people would be like, "Oh, what's gonna happen?" Yeah, <laughs> I'm buying a ticket, <laughs> you know. Um, but uh, it it's one of those things that like it's. You you you'll hear that throughout years. People will show up at other promotion shirts and stuff like that. But I don't think it's ever been like this since, where just two promotions just literally fighting each other. Uh,
1: yeah. Um. I mean, I'd have to dig back into some CZW. Yeah. Some c c w issues. Yeah, maybe. Philly Philly can get bad. Yeah. You, you've had venues. Jersey All-Pro
0: and CCW, maybe. Maybe there was some stuff going on you, there. You've,
1: you've had some venues in Philly where their power would be cut. Like, legit, someone out there with hedge clippers and cutting power. So, <laughs> okay. like. um, And then, so, this
0: is uh, Dave talking about the show we talked about earlier, the, the L.A. Sports Arena show, July 3rd. Thirty first two thousand. I won't go over the results because we already went over those. But uh, the XPW at the Los Angeles Sports Arena on July twenty second drew an estimated eleven hundred, roughly double what they've been averaging. Uh, but it's all, but it was almost mostly papered for the Sabu versus Terry Funk match. They handed out a ton of free passes at the tapings that were totally paranoid about ECW fans in attendance. One fan said he was specifically told coming in that any pro ECW chance would get him ejected. XBW itself were all sorts of anti-ECW, and Paul Heyman signs, most of them crude, and encouraging people to take them, giving the impression that they were more concerned with blasting Heyman than putting on a wrestling show. Four fans chanting ECW were asked to leave early on. Owner Rob Black cut a promo on Heyman, claiming they were going to sue ECW for assault, and went on for 10 minutes. The cameraman during the crowd shot specifically told uh, fans that the chant ECW sucks, The storyline for the main event was Black bringing Funk in from WCW to get back at Sabu. Uh, Black uh, tried to get Funk to participate in the anti-ECW festivities, but he just stared across the ring and looked like he would rather be somewhere else. (laughs) And they had their usual match. Several reports we got from people who got frisbees said the show freebies Oh, freebies. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, they should have frisbees. Yeah. Like the Adam bomb footballs Uh, who got freebies said that the show was terrible, including some non ECW fans who felt that inside putting on a good show to entertain the crowd. They felt that used by a promotion trying to use the crowd to be uh, their Hollywood extras Supreme. Verse Messiah was praised for trying hard and and risking mainly themselves with thumbtacks, light bulbs, bed of nails, and barbed wire, ending with a bump that looked like a a circus net of barbed wire. We've seen a similar thing recently. Uh, they're moving uh, their next big show from the sports arena to the much smaller Shrine Expo Hall. Ooh. So the smaller hall is probably a good idea. But so ECW didn't want any reference to XBW. XBW almost wants. If you're gonna have an ECW reference, it's gotta be anti. It can't be pro (laughs) like uh, what would this do for them? Yeah. What would this do for them right now with their it it would do nothing for them to. Hey, we did it. Maybe cut one promo, But the whole show to be pretty much anti ECW and just focus on. Yeah, they're extending their house. They're
1: not there. They're extending this. Maybe they thought uh, ECW was going to run more. Like, who knows? Um, maybe, maybe they were just trying to run off of that, off the press, which uh, I don't think it was good press. Like how long could have gone because ECW obviously edited it out of TV and didn't it didn't air on pay per view. So only and you could have just had
0: like Rob Black said we're the most extreme in California and then there you go that's it that, that's all you had to do you, you could, know or just, just nods point out to throughout just, the night. Like, just
1: point out ECW scared of them ECW took signs away made them yeah. turn the shirts inside out like. Turn turn it that way, but you're drawing 1100 heavily papered to the sports arena, and you're still building that up with no payoff.
0: And you're making the crowd. You want them to just be all anti ECW, and not want them to like, hey boo Supreme, cheer Messiah. Like you know what I mean? It's not that. Like I mean, I mean, even that. I hate when wrestling companies do that. But
1: they, they yeah they try to turn it they, they try to get the fans to go promotion versus promotion when there's no there's no payoff, there's no upside to it.
0: Um so with that, we said this was going to be a long one. We're going to
1: do this in parts. It may
0: be three parts but it's all said and done. Who knows maybe four. But Well yeah,
1: we're only uh <laughs> page 7 of 42 <laughs> yeah. notes. So yeah. So
0: we're 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 going to
1: wrap up our first part here.
0: Um we will get the second part out a little earlier in April, probably like the four. It'd be after the seventeenth, uh, so the fourth part. But uh, I mean, the start of the second part. I'm sorry, uh, in the fourth, and then if there's a third part and all that, will May, and we'll continue on from there. But uh, um, this so far just like I think he had the right idea with. Mixing ECW guys and California local guys, I think he could have used better California local talent. But this ECW stuff, I think, almost consumes him, and we're going to see that. I think it just kind of changes who what they're trying to be instead of being this top great California promotion to try and be the next ECW.
1: And trying to go above and beyond ECW with with the death matches, that's, that's making it much harder for them to get to TV. I think if they tamed it up a little bit, maybe not... Uh, played up the porn side they could have gotten tv and been a lot more successful in these early time this early time
0: so remember you can check us out on the bscpp uh radio network uh also you can check us out uh we're on uh, a google podcast a spotify uh apple podcast as well um and then uh so if you want to reach on social media it's RTI Pod on Twitter. Remember we're doing an independent wrestling history every day on that on the Instagram, Instagram.com slash wrestling Facebook.com slash RediscoveringTheIndies, I'm sorry, rediscovering the indies. And uh you know Instagram slash rediscovering the indies and then uh, where can they find you ash?
1: Uh, at refash r e f A S H E on Twitter, Instagram, Jonathan Ash on Facebook.
0: All right, and I'm uh, Chris Gullo at Twitter, uh, Instagram, and Facebook. And uh, um, if you uh, haven't had enough of me, uh, I'll actually be joining the uh, WrestleNomics uh, podcast on, on Voices of Wrestling. So I'm pretty excited about that. But we're still going to be going strong here, too, folks. So still with be ICBP for rediscovering the Indies. Um, so with that, do you have any final thoughts, Ash, before we end this part one here? Nope. All a All
1: right. Lot. Taking it a lot.
0: There's a lot here, and we will continue our XPW journey uh, on the next episode of Rediscovering the Indies. Remember, support independent wrestling and learn your independent wrestling history. I'm Chris Gello. That's Jonathan Ash. Thank you for listening.